What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face 119 on your Friday night. We just got you guys used to uh, doing Friday afternoon, yeah. and here we are on Friday evening. Uh, this is actually going to be the new time for Game Face, which is actually the old time for Game Face. We did Game Face at 6 o'clock for like the first year and a half or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it was later. Um, and we started doing it in the afternoon. Well, Sam, congratulations to him, got himself a full-time job, full-time yeah. gig here in L.A., a little working. man is growing up. Yep, he is. Uh, he got a full entertainment job, 9 to 5, so we're going to start doing the show in the evenings. Uh, right now, we're going to stick with Friday. We may start fidgeting with that a little bit now that we're going to do it in the evening. Uh, Friday nights, I think, are a pretty good time for people to kick back and watch a, a video cast, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. With our lively social lives, uh, <laughs> take, taking out Friday is just, I mean... <laughs> it does make the drive home a lot easier, I'll say that true. much. Instead of having That's to true. go home at rush hour, uh, we'll go home a little bit later. But anyway, thanks to all you guys who uh, made it onto the stream. Tried to message it out. I uh, put up a couple tweets over the last couple days, kind of alerting people it was going to be on at 6. But it is going to be on later for the foreseeable future, mm -hmm. just so you guys know. Uh, let's see, a new Gyph went up today. If you guys want to check that out, you want to twist your brain on some Gyph over the weekend, that went up today. Um, also, the month has turned over. I know I've been talking about this the last couple weeks on the show, but it is March, so you guys can go back and resubscribe to Sifted through Twitch Prime. Um, we had, by far, our best month ever on Twitch Prime hmm. for February. Uh, literally more than double what we've ever had. So promoting it definitely made a huge difference. Um, talking about it on the show definitely made a huge difference. Uh, and if you guys can just keep doing that, that would be freaking awesome. It makes a big difference for us. So thank you very much. Uh, another piece of housekeeping tomorrow. I'll be right back here at 1 p.m. Pacific to do today's high score. We're going to give it another whirl. Uh, I hope all you guys can show up and get your Skype ready, get your cameras ready to call in. Uh, we did first show went great. More calls than we could handle. Second show didn't work at all. Uh, so this is kind of the one to see if it's going to get over the hump and see if it's actually a feasible thing to do in gaming. Uh, so get ready. 1 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. It will happen right at 1 p.m. Pacific. Um, the show's obviously going to go up a lot later than, it, than normal. You probably won't be able to watch the show until Saturday morning. In fact, a lot of you guys who are in Europe may not be able to watch the whole stream tonight. Uh, I know that is one of the big drawbacks of doing the show late is that our European and our Japanese audience, in all honesty, cannot watch the show live. Um, we're just at a place where we don't really have any other choice. Uh, another thing. Sam's got to eat. He does got to eat. Uh, another thing. I know I mentioned it last week, but absolutely, Game Face is now on iTunes. Uh, go and review it. Give us a great rating if you, if you feel like you like the show. Uh, and for those of you who are on iTunes listening to this for maybe the first time, welcome to Game Face. We've been doing this show. Uh, we have 119 episodes, plus mm -hmm. more that we kind of subtitled and didn't actually add to the, to the canon of the show. Um, and the cool freestyles. Yeah, yeah. The cool thing about it, though, is all our episodes are in there now okay. on iTunes. So it's not like it just started with last week's episode and the whole library mm -hmm. is there. Uh, so if you're new to the show and you just discovered us through iTunes, welcome. There is a ton of content there for you to go back and peruse. Uh, just so you know, most shows are two to three hours long, all depending on how much news we have. But uh, I know you can't see me if you're listening on iTunes, but Welcome. Uh, and also would hope that you might consider pledging to our Patreon if you like the show at patreon.com slash sifted. And with that, one more, uh, 
I did want to thank everyone for the, the well wishes on Twitter ah. and, and through uh, Twitch chat and various things because uh, uh, I was gone last week for medical stuff. Uh, I'm not done with that yet, so uh, although there's a chance I may not miss any more episodes. but uh, Oh, yeah, I should have mentioned, hey, Matt's back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's looking pretty, you know, I don't, it seems pretty good. Like, it's just, it's more of a, uh, inconvenience than a, than a, a danger, I guess, at this point. But it's, uh, still some, some minor surgery involved, so it's, uh, that'll be fun. Yep. So. But, I, uh, it, I, I, I have, you know, I've seen everybody, uh, you know, sending me messages on Twitter and stuff, and, and I appreciate that. So thank you, everybody. Yep. Um, also next week, maybe a little dicey. Sam is going out of town. Um, I think the last day that we have an opportunity to do a game face is Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully crazy stuff happens <laughs> in the next like five days so that we have content for a show on Wednesday. If not, we may end up doing it like early in the week, the next week, once he gets back or something. We'll figure it out. But uh, as always, we'll message that on our Twitter. Make sure you follow us at Sifted Games on Twitter to know when the show is going to happen and things like that. And I think with that, let's get on with the show. Um, so Matt, interesting story this week. Mm -hmm. uh, Sega... Poor Sega puts up a demo of Yakuza 6 and in all territories and accidentally uploads the full version of the game to the U.S. servers. Mm -hmm. And people were able to download the demo. No matter which territory you're in, when you download the demo, you download the whole game. Right. Like the demo is 37 gigs. And like even, as I understood it, even if it, you had to stop playing it at a certain point, like basically it counted on the PSN store as you owning the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. Like when, like when the game comes out, that will be unlocked for you and you yeah. didn't have to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Your progress is supposed to be saved. Right. So when you start the full game going forward, it'll... Which is good because that's a lot. It's a lot of cutscenes to watch again if it yeah. didn't. But can, Matt, can you ever remember this happening where a publisher basically just gave a game away on accident? Um, I feel like that's happened a couple times like by accident on like PC, but this is the, the first like console thing I can really remember. Of, of that, as you jump. If it did happen another time, it was probably also Sega. Yeah, I'm guessing like, I feel, it was. I feel like yeah. it was... <laughs> Um, Sega just, I'm a, I'm a Sega fan from, from way back, way, way back in the day, like, you know, ever since the early arcade stuff, and, uh, it's just, you know, I feel like my, my lifetime of Sega fandom has just been slowly watching them, like, kind of trip constantly, and, like, <laughs> a collection of foibles, stumble into a wall, and, like, <laughs> yeah. lose the source code of Pontridigan's Saga, right, and, like, yeah, they do make a lot of dumb mistakes, it seems like, it's just, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know why. I mean, maybe I just love an underdog. Yeah. I always love Sega more than... <laughs> than... But, uh, I mean, I still love... You know, Yakuza is one of my favorite things going right now in, in gaming, so I'm glad they're still making them. Uh, this probably doesn't help. Yeah. Here's a pro tip for you, by the way. If you were one of the people who managed... I think the... You had like a four or five hour window. Yeah, it was like most of the afternoon, as I understand. You had a good chance to download it. So if you downloaded it, make sure that you do not go online with your console. Because if you don't, then Sega can't zap that demo, and you can literally play the whole game. I don't game. think they're going to do that, even if... No, they already announced they, that they, they are going, going to. do that? Yeah, yesterday they put out a release saying, Well, yeah. that's not very nice. Well, they did give away a $60 game. Yeah, but... <laughs> I don't know. I'm, it's hard to it's hard to balance that one. It's like that's yeah. a you can't give away that many sixty dollar purchases, but like you're gonna piss people off because they thought they got they got, thought they got away with something. But yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I should probably take it back, take it away. But uh, but if you make sure your console is not connected while you play it, you'll be able to finish the whole game for free. So, pro tip there, you can get around it. But 
So I was not one of the people who downloaded it in the first five hours. I got the legit demo version, although mm -hmm. I did end up downloading it from Europe because they had to take the demo down in the right. U.S. to, fix, to it, fix it. And I wanted to get a chance to play the demo before we talked on the show today. So I did go download the demo from Europe, and I played through the whole thing. Um, maybe we should start with setting up the story. We're seeing a lot of cutscenes here. First mm -hmm. of all, I want to say special commendation to this game for handling liquid. Right. I think it's the yeah. first time I've ever seen a video game where liquid in a drink actually reacts realistically. Yeah, I, it's I, a silly thing to talk about. I but think that's very intentional, though. Is like is because the other games didn't look like that. Well, the, that was that's clearly some element of their new engine. But I mean, you can all the games good. of this generation. If you if, when the developers are brave enough to actually show somebody drinking a substance, it still doesn't look right. They nailed it in this game. Mm -hmm. and maybe that's because drinking is such a big yes. part of this franchise. I mean, this 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 series has had like whiskey licenses for yeah. years. You know, for, yeah, it's, it's it makes sense that that and also like. I don't know if you've noticed recently, uh, maybe Final Fantasy XV is the most high-profile example of this. Japan, Japanese, like, games have a real thing with food porn right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, And, like, this also well, has, Final like, Fantasy XV was the epitome right. of that. Yeah. But, like, if you notice, like, if you watch uh, further on in this game, like, like, the food you get also looks really delicious. Oh, yeah. So, like, so, like <laughs> high-quality food rendering is clearly a priority uh, for, this, for this game. So let's set it up. First of all, the, the game starts with literally about 40 minutes of cinemas. Yes. I mean, it's... I'm not it's, even exaggerating. It's, it's like 40 minutes of cinemas yeah, to it, start the game. If you don't have the patience for um, some serious slow burn, Yakuza is not for you. Yeah. It, uh, so you can probably already tell. I cut like the first 40 minutes of cinemas down to five minutes, and it still tells the whole story mm -hmm. of the game. So basically the setup for the game is it picks up right after Yakuza 5. Sort Basically. of. Like, this part is at some undetermined future point where Kazuma Kiryu is sitting around at New Serena Bar uh, beating guys up who mouth off to him, but also feeding an infant that we've <laughs> it's never so seen bizarre, before. Yeah. Um, now, the. the and then it cuts back to like basically the end of Yakuza Five, right. where uh, Haruka announces that she's, you know, she was raised by a Yakuza guy while Kazuma is. Uh, fighting a guy on the rooftop and getting possibly mortally injured, and he wanders away in the snow and passes out, but she finds him and he goes to the hospital, and then he gets arrested. He gets arrested because of for other murder, Yakuza... Right? For murder, other Yakuza things he did. He goes, he goes to prison for, like, three years. And in the interim... Because uh, uh, as of Yakuza 3, he and Haruka run an orphanage in Okinawa. This is the girl you're seeing in this yeah. scene right so, here. And, she, and this, this is also like, I mean, this, these games take place in specific years. Uh, so she ages, everybody ages as, as time goes on in the story. So she was like seven or eight or nine, I don't remember, in the first Yakuza. And now she's an adult and has had an idol singing career. And uh, had to bail on it. Had to bail on it because in Japan, idols the yakuza be an idol. Yeah, idol singers have super squeaky clean, perfect images. And if you were raised by organized crime, that's not cool. And so she got out ahead of that and said, "I quit because I love my you know yakuza dad and I you know, <laughs> or adopted father." And I yeah, da, da, da. Um, <laughs> and so. He goes to prison and comes out of prison and uh, goes to see the orphanage kids again. And yeah, for, well, for people who don't know, he started an orphanage yeah. back in Yakuza 3, is that uh, correct? When, between 2 and 3. So when 3 starts, he's running this orphanage. It's kind of the new normal for him. And then a lot of the, the plots of four, 3, 4, and 5 have kind of been like... 
things from the old the old neighborhood intruding on his life at the at the Okinawan orphanage and forcing him to go back and take care of business. That's been and stuff like that tends to happen. And uh, now the kids are kind of growing up, and there's a concern over like whether the kid you know there's a kid one of them is up for like a baseball scholarship, and there's right. kind of like this thing where. They're, cons- they're starting. Haruka is starting to worry that like their relationship or their ties to her and her ties to the yakuza could hurt them. Could hurt their reputation. Could hurt them and, and their opportunities. And so um, it becomes clear at some point they she leaves uh, like the orphanage and says she's going to meet up with uh, Kiryu. And he gets out of prison three years later, comes to see them, and they're like, where's Haruka? He's like, what are you talking about? And so she's been missing for yeah, a long time. You can see she, like, was about... She tries to sneak away, but she gets yeah, caught. And one of the, the old one of the older girl, I think, catches her and uh, doesn't tell anyone what's going on. Then she gets on a big boat. And she gets on a big boat, and we don't know where she goes. <laughs> yeah. Now, the preview stuff... And I haven't gotten to... You know, obviously, the demo didn't go that far. But uh, the preview stuff implies that um, there's a question as to whether the baby Kiryu's taking care of is hers okay uh but the implication is it's probably some friend that she's taking it's look (laughs) it's it's very complex (laughs) yeah it's yakuza it's it's there's always 14 different threads happening i'm i guarantee you in here somewhere there's a major real estate corruption deal Um, yeah, it definitely. This series definitely touches on themes that a lot of other games ignore. Yeah, and it does it in the context of kind of like this heightened sort of Japanese drama thing, where every, like you say, you cut you cut forty minutes down to an intelligible five minute summary. Yeah, but the the process and the and the and the dead space pauses and the and the the social dance of you know, kind of you know revealing these plot points is sort of part of the thing. Yeah. You know. And um, and there's so much like cultural baggage under it. It's amazing that it translates to English at all. But like that's what's fascinating about it is like it's this, it's this. Yeah, as someone who who watched a lot of like you know yakuza movies, yakuza papers, uh, battles without honor, humanity, those things, you know that those things. Um, the whole thing is fascinating to me in the same way that I guess like kind of the mafia is fascinating to Westerners. Like yeah. there's this you know there's kind of a romance to this like thing that probably doesn't deserve romance to it, but like. You know, that whole thing. And, and you'll see that in, if you play Yakuza, there's this, kind of like this, what would be considered kind of a conservative or a traditionalist uh, uh, viewpoint to it, where, like, a lot of the solutions to things tend to be adhering to traditional Japanese social values. And sort of, it's, it's sort of like if we had a, an RPG where, like, the solution to everything was to make everybody act more like Leave It to Beaver. Yeah. You know, like this, <laughs> or Andy Griffith. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of a, a... And, like, a big theme tends to be, like, you know, the changes that, that uh, Japan and this is... The area in Japan, Kamurocho, which is based on Kabukicho, the red light district in Japan, in Tokyo. Um, in fact, the, the map of it in the first game is street accurate. To the point that I was... When I was there physically that same year, I was able to find my way around... Like to the to the store, like the bars were accurate wow. to, in the game to like what was there in real life. But was like golden guy in the game, uh, I believe it is. Yeah, I believe that I believe that bar is. It's not called that, but there's well, golden guy isn't one bar. It's that it's that area, that strip of bars that are all the size of like a closet, right. and every bar has like a theme to it. And you just basically go mm-hmm. one by one, and you go in and have a drink and check out their theme, and then you go to the next yeah, one. Yeah, I think that has been in at least it was in like kind of a. Uh, a a section a section off area in one of them. I can't remember. 
I've actually, it's fun. Golden Guy's a blast. If you ever go to Tokyo, make sure you go to Golden Guy. He won't forget it. It's a, it's it's uh it's where all the gaijin go. Yeah. Well, actually, um, well, I guess yeah, you do see it's, gaijin it's, there. It's a it's an American yeah. kind of tourist trap a little bit, but it is it is fun. Yeah. Um, we should have said though what how the whole plot gets set in motion. He goes to find her. Right. He goes to the orphanage. He goes, she's he goes gone. Back. Yeah. And so he heads back to Tokyo to try to find her. Mm-hmm. And that's where the kind of the whole story kind of goes into motion. Yeah. And he even says like when he when he walks under the big gateway into the into the area, he, he's like, I keep coming back to this damn city. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it's, it's it's that's the traditional you know first. There's a, there's, it's a big tradition now. Is like the the first shot of him walking under that big gateway into right Kamurocho. here. This shot right here. Yeah. yeah. A, in fact, I think this was. Uh, in some of the preview material, they showed like a comparison of all the the establishing shots of that archway in all the different games <laughs> to see how it changed. Also, because it's very accurate to the time that the games take place, so you can actually see, you know, like the like Yakuza Zero takes place in like 1985 or something, 1986 or something, and you can see things get built up and the buildings change and like the yeah. sign styles change and there's more neon now and there's it's. It's uh, really interesting uh, the, the 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 care and detail they put into the into these games. It don't need to be there really to make it work, but it it's absolutely needs to be there to make it what it is. Yeah. Now look, I have not played a ton of Yakuza games. I've dabbled in a couple of them. Um, I think a lot of people maybe who are like me who haven't played a ton of them. They look at footage like this and they're like, oh, it's Grand Theft Tokyo, but that's really not. It's not it. It's no, not. It's yeah. It it owes a lot to Shenmue. Um, yeah, it's, it's really kind of the spiritual successor yeah, to Shenmue. I would I would definitely agree with that. It it has it it plays better than Shenmue ever did. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and they've definitely they've revamped the combat in this to feel a little less stiff, um, and have a little more versatility to it, which I like. Um, there's a there's a there's a more of a flow to this game than the previous ones. I think like it doesn't feel as stop and start. Uh, when you're running around town, everything feels it kind of feels like it it blends into each. It, the different types of gameplay seem to blend into each other better, um, which is nice. And everything looks really good. It's, it's actually really cool. As, as someone who has played all the Yakuza games, it is really cool to kind of see these characters come back, like Date and and all these old school characters that have been there since Yakuza One, and see them look this good. Yeah. Because it, it, the, you this know, is the first one built for built generation. Typically, yeah. And there's yeah. no PS3 version of of this one, and um, it's not like Yakuza Zero and Yakuza Kiwami were bad-looking games, yeah. but there's just a step up on this that that it's really nice to see. Those are some big-ass traffic cones. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, the, the attention to detail goes so far. Uh, let's let's put it that way. Yeah, uh, I would say, and again, I have not played a ton of Yakuza games in the past, but. I would say the combat in this game still feels a little wonky. It is. There's no um, way to lock. I mean, there is a lock on button. It's like R1, but yeah. it doesn't really feel like you actually ever lock on to enemies. You do, but like, here's the thing: is like, unless you're doing specific things, generally you don't need to. Um, you, you'll get it as like at the and that's the way all of them are. Even if even games I've already you know played in this series, where I go back to them, I'm like, oh, I can't remember how this works. And like, you know. Three hours in, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm just boom, 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 boom. Like, I don't even need to look at you. I'm fighting you off camera, basically. Well, so, like, it's not really an RPG, but there is leveling. You don't level up your character. You level up five attributes that he has. And, like, you can also get, like, like moves and and Yeah, new attacks. But it's better to... The system they have in place on this one seems like it's better to level up your main stats first. In fact, I think they tell you that. They do. 
And uh, one thing I would say is like the first few battles that you're seeing here now, they're, they take quite a while because you're really weak. Mm -hmm. But literally, by the time I finished the demo, I was already kind of OP. Like I got to the point where a couple punches and a kick and I could take out most of the thugs. Yeah. Um, that's basic. That's, that's kind of traditional here in that like you, you should be, a, that's kind of how you know you're doing okay and upgrading properly is you should be able to take care of random street fights real easy and kind of, you should be able to style a little bit. You should be able to be yeah. like, oh, I, I, I decided I want to beat the last guy by beating him over the head with a bicycle. Yeah, like, yeah, and, and there is that. a big a big component of that is picking up pretty much yeah. anything and using it as a melee weapon. Um, and then there are, you can't see it because of our graphics, but there's a meter on the bottom of the screen. And when that fills up, you can uh, basically finish enemies. You, you get into this almost this rage mode. You probably know there's a, probably yeah, a term that's, for that's it. Yeah, that's the heat mode. Heat mode. And this it works differently. In the, like you can see up in the corner, it's the, it's the dragon thing kind of like wrapped around the three balls. Yeah. Um, so previously, it was just like a, an orange bar. Uh, this one, you can spend it differently. So like you, you power up differently when, when uh, the, the, the balls are, fill, are filled. You can uh, use it as heat actions, which are like kind of where you, you grab a guy or you pick up an item and the, the triangle button gets highlighted and you hit the triangle button, you use up an orb and uh, do a special kind of finisher to him, which is usually obscenely yeah, you're it right, violent. You're seeing yeah. it right now. Yeah, yeah. All, of, all of the heat actions in Yakuza are, are you're basically killing the man. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way around it. But, um, and then you can, there's a new mode where you can like active, like you can burn the whole thing and activate like kind of like a, like a super powered mode where you're, you, you, uh, your, your, your punches hit harder and you can get, do like a super combo kind of thing. Well, I haven't delved, of... I haven't delved into that too much cause that's new and I don't really yeah. understand how it works properly yet. A lot like Shenmue, there are a lot of, uh, QTEs in this game. Yes. There's lots of prompts where you, even in combat where you have to tap the right button at the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, there are no vehicles in the game that you can drive. No. But as you saw right there, you can hail cabs, and uh, they'll basically take you to almost any point of the city that you mm -hmm. have unlocked um, in, in pretty much an instant. Um, but there are little things like what you're seeing like right now that are like GTA. Like, it's kind of like this living, breathing place. You can walk up to machines and vending machines and get stuff that will boost your powers, mm -hmm. like your fighting power, your defensive power. <laughs> It'll restore your health. Um and then there's lots of little shops and other things around the environment. So here you can go and you can buy food. Maybe this will show some of the models you were talking about, Matt. Yeah, you'll see uh, a little bit of the, the food here. Yeah, it's extensive. Like, this part of the game is a really big part yeah, of it. Yeah, and there's always been, uh, you know, basically going, going to eat things has always been beneficial in some way. Like, it gives you, you know, in the old games, it gave you XP. Um, there's usually like an achievement or, 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 or rewards for eating all the food in each restaurant, like trying everything on the menus. Yeah. Um, and then this one, it actually does level your help level your stats up depending on what you're eating. Um, like like that, that Cafe Au Lait you, you drank out of the vending machine leveled up uh, one of your stats by one. Yeah, it actually will level up your stats Well, It gives you like XP for that stat and then you can spend it to level things up. It, it's... Yeah, it's, it's not quite an RPG, but it does have those elements it's, to it. For I would sure. definitely, I would call it an action RPG. Yeah, mostly ish. Yeah. yeah, it's it's got its own style and it's got its own idea of what it is. But it, you know, you you got XP and you choose how to upgrade your character and you get new moves you can buy with yeah, here, your XP. Here's a bunch of stuff that gets leveled up right here. There's um, side quests. There's you know, it's it's all there. Yeah. Um, and I will say, at least for the part that I've played, the leveling is a little over generous 
It, it won't stay that way. I yeah, promise. I'm sure it, it doesn't. It, but yeah, I'm sure they're just doing it so it's easy yeah. for people to get into the game. Well, I mean, he's, he's been in prison for three years. He's, yeah. he's got to get his sea legs <laughs> back, you know. That's true. Um, and then there's other little stuff. Um, you'll see here in a second there are batting cages that you can go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go, and there's, I don't even know what this is. What is oh, this? Oh, that is a, this is a hostess. <laughs> this is like a. Is that a hostess bar? No, this is where you go to kind of decide which hostess bar you want to go to. Oh. Kind of thing, if this is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I stumbled onto this room and I was just like, what the heck is this? Yeah, so that's like, eventually when the hostess bar activity opens up, which may or may not be another character, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've been keeping a little in the dark on how the, the specifics of this game. But um, the uh, like usually what that is is like, yeah, you, you basically uh, look up you know, the various, uh, who, who's in what bar, and, like, the guy who's standing there can give you information on which girl likes what things, so you know, what the buyer is a gift and get her, you know, heart rating up or whatever. And then there's also, I mean, there's tons of weird, there's, there's actual there's, Sega there's arcade karaoke. games. karaoke. Karaoke, there's actual Sega arcade games in various places. There is the, uh, the idol, the idol singer coaching thing that'll be later on in the there's game. Lots of little systems in the uh, game. Yakuza Five had the uh, the the porn tapes basically right. of like yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of side, and there was you know and they've also had uh, you know mahjong and poker and uh, just endless mini games these things have uh, to the and some of I mean I don't understand how some of the there's been a couple of like uh, like shogi like I don't know how shogi works the, the three different yakuza there's games mahjong have, I don't know how to play mahjong three different yakuza <laughs> games have tried to teach me how to play shogi and I do not understand what the hell I, I've been to Vegas I don't know how many times I've had mahjong explained to me probably twenty times yeah, I still have never look can't if play it's it. not Shanghai I can't play yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's 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 as close to mahjong as I get. So, yeah, I mean, there are elements of this that are kind of like the GTA franchise, but it's a lot different. There's no guns. There are some. Are there? Uh, Very rare and very hard. I mean, I don't know about this game because I haven't gotten any guns, but in the previous games, uh, the guns are very hard to use and very hard to aim. But if you do get a shot off with them, it does massive damage, obviously. Yeah. Um, But they're rare. They're very, very rare. No carjacking. Like, the whole crime part of it is pretty much... Other yeah, than the not, fact yeah, that you are a criminal. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you're, you're a criminal in a kind of a vague sense. Like, yeah. Kaz- Kiryu hasn't been really part of the Yakuza in, for, like, six games almost at this yeah. point, um, if you count the side stuff. But um, he still does a lot of sketchy shit. Because, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, he's got to do it to get to save his family. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And his family is orphans. <laughs> orphans, Shane. Yeah, I mean, that the game does seem to kind of use that as a crush to rationalize a lot of the stuff that's going on, and I get it. I mean, kids are an easy... Yeah. Well, also, there's, like, kind of the thing of, like, a lot of Kiryu's motivation tends to be he has to do what he has to do to set things right. And no one else can do it because no one else is as awesome as he is. Or, like, you know, if you work within the law, you can't solve the problem properly, so he's got to do it. And it will inevitably end with him and another guy on a rooftop with their shirts off to show off their (laughs) dragon tattoos. Right. You know, in the in rain, fight. Fight, you yeah. Know, yeah, it's it's um, you, you know where it's going. There's a lot degree. of posturing in this yeah. game. Yeah, um, I look, I enjoyed the time that I spent with it. it. It is a little slow. The cinemas to me are a little overwrought. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I cut down the first forty minutes into like a five minute montage that still told the story just as effectively. Yeah. There's, a, as, there's a lot of reacting. Yeah. to things and it's a little bit like Dragon Ball in that way. Yeah, struggling to get. <laughs> what they want to say out because it's so difficult to say it because it's so dramatic and traumatic and it's just like, yeah. just talk. 
Also, the so. thugs are all over the city, but you can see on the map. They'll be like red. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough town. Yeah, I mean, it, but there are times where literally you really can't avoid getting in the fistfights. Yeah. Sometimes I'll see him and I'll turn around and try to get out, go down an alley, and sure enough, there's another gang in the alley. Yeah, you can wear uh, various items that will lower the encounter rate. Um, in fact, I think you get one of them for having uh, saves from the other Yakuza games on your PS4. Uh, I got like a rainbow like shirt or necklace or something that basically like lowers the encounter rate. Um, and there's other stuff that will raise the encounter rate. You, you, your encounter rate actually, uh, uh, in the previous games and the other games, uh, your encounter rate goes much higher if you are drunk. Oh. Because people will start more <laughs> shit with you right, if they right. see you're drunk. Makes sense. But the, yeah, that traffic cone is huge. Yeah, I don't know if that's like an <laughs> error or if like they actually have cones that I've big. I've never seen cones like that, but they do have weird things in Japan, like these little robotic like traffic signal dudes. Mm-hmm. Instead I've of seen, having a, a guy stand there and, like, turn the sign, they have, like, a really simple robot that does it. Right. It's possible. I've never seen that. I mean, I've seen family. glitches in the various games where, like, the like various items like that were bigger than they were supposed to be. So that yeah. might be an error, or it might be... Maybe so there's there a normal are, green traffic cone right yeah. there. So maybe there are <laughs> traffic cones that big in Japan, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, look, I enjoyed my, my time with the demo. Both you and I have final review code now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll probably come back after we've played more of the game and talk about it again on a later episode. Yeah, whenever that's allowed. I'm yeah. I, I didn't even look at the embargo yet. In fact, I haven't even downloaded the full version I think yet. it's like the 17th or something like that. Okay. I don't well, know. We have plenty of time. The game didn't come out until the 21st. Or right. Or yeah. Something. And uh, obviously with a game this big, you probably need that amount of time to play it. So we probably won't get back to this game until the end of the month, I'm yeah. guessing, somewhere around there. Which but... is about, like, look, that's about the right amount of time to give people somebody time to review it. I yeah, mean, absolutely. It's good that they sent code for this out as early as they did because this thing is a beast. Yep. So Matt and I are both on it. We'll hook you guys up whenever we are able to spill more information. But for now, um, the demo's still up. So yeah. like my impression of it is as a fan is very positive. I think they've moved in a good direction. You know, they've refined what they needed to refine. It still feels like Yakuza, uh, warts and all in some cases. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm a real easy sell with this series, basically. Yeah. Well, you're a fan. Yeah. So, and I'm a noob. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of put our heads together at the end of the month and see mm-hmm. kind of where the. It's gonna be interesting in. to see if this because I feel like Yakuza Zero is kind of the perfect intro to this series because a it's the first one you know yeah. chronologically it's the first story, uh, it has a lot of Majima in it who is one of the best characters in the whole series. Uh, I don't know how much Majima is in this one obviously because we haven't gotten that far. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it's I'm interested to see because six is sort of the crescendo of the whole thing and it's gonna be interesting to see if it it does the job for someone who doesn't have any attachment to these characters or the story already. Yep. PS4 exclusive by the way. Mm-hmm. Only for PS4, so sorry Xbox folks, you uh, you can't play it. But if you have a PS4, yeah. you can go download it. The demo has yeah. been fixed in the U.S. now. You can download it in every territory. You should know by now if you're on an Xbox, you ain't playing Yakuza. Yeah, because the Yakuza has never been released on Xbox. No. It's always been PlayStation. So, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a big anniversary. Matt, it is the one-year anniversary of the Switch. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I will say... Still no online service, huh? Not really. I mean, that's, still, that's still been no the big stink console, in the huh? last week, is that uh, Payday 2 came out for Switch, mm. and there's no voice chat. Mm. There's still only voice chat for one game, Splatoon 2. That's it. Um, so, you know, obviously, with Can a you game... imagine if Sony did that? Kazurai oh, would be burned in the street. <laughs> like, it's amazing what Nintendo gets away with. get away with, yeah, for sure. Um, so... In the developers, Starbreeze, uh, the developers of Payday 2 are like, yo, like, hey, what do we help get? us out. 
it, it even went out, and this is very rare, for a developer or a publisher to go out in public and basically shame Nintendo. Yeah. Because it said, we have been in constant contact with them, and they blow us off. They Sounds familiar. Just completely ignore them. Like people wonder why Nintendo has had such a problem with third parties for like twenty years. Yeah. This is why yeah. they're terrible at it. Yeah. And and Nintendo has you know it came out of that mentality that like they need Nintendo more than Nintendo needs them, and Nintendo still hasn't quite realized that that, that is, is not, really the, not case the case and yeah. hasn't been for a long time. Yeah. The last time they had like what I would consider. Uh, functional or sufficient or acceptable third-party support in terms of parity with other, you know, the other consoles, libraries, the GameCube. It was, yeah. And it only sold 20 million, mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, so it's been a year. Are you... And I should say, by the way, my Switch finally works. Yeah. You get, you Nintendo get it repaired it. They sent it back to me. Very quickly, I would add. Your so saves were there. And... My saves were all there. I, I saw... Uh, Brian Altano from IGN, mm-hmm. he sent his in and lost all of his data. But for me, they sent it back. It was also the same unit. I knew it was the same unit because it had the same scratches on the screen from the dock. <laughs> um, so they did. They fixed it. They didn't mm-hmm. just replace the unit. I got all my saves back, and it works great. It, and I will say, it is like a whole different experience when it works the way that it's supposed yeah. to. I, I actually really enjoy playing my, with my Switch. Unfortunately, there just aren't a lot of games right now to to use because uh-huh. I already played through Zelda and Mario and and all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about another game for Switch a little bit later on in the show. But but uh, so Matt, looking back across the first year for a new Nintendo console, what what are your impressions? Uh, are you satisfied with what Nintendo's done in the first twelve months? Um, well, that I guess it depends on your perspective uh, as like. Someone who bought a Switch knowing that I was buying it to play Zelda and Mario and anything else was gravy because it's a Nintendo system and that's what this is. You know, I knew the deal. It's exactly what I thought it was going to be. I played Mario. I played Zelda. I played Mario and Rabbids. I tried to play Xenoblade 2, Chronicles 2, and did not like it. And I haven't really touched it this year. Uh, I will probably... I mean, I, I, I played Bayonetta. I came out. I played Bayonetta, played Bayonetta 1. And uh, I will probably play, I don't know, I might play Hyrule Warriors. I played a little bit thing. of that. I, I like Hyrule Warriors. I, 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 I did not. I didn't like Fire Emblem Warriors yeah. very much, but I thought Hyrule Warriors It's better. Well. It's definitely better. Yeah. Um, I, I also, I like Hyrule Warriors art. Design better, like it just feel. I, I just. It, well, it's also funny I like too it because I, it's better than Dynasty Warriors. 9. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's the weird. But I would How say did that both, happen? Well, I think that's probably Nintendo sort of like demanding a certain level of competency in, the, in a game that has their their IP in it. Like yeah. I have to think that's what it is because like Hyrule Warriors and Fire Emblem Warriors both feel markedly better than. Anything Dynasty Warriors for like three entries at this point. Well, the point. new one, man, it got hammered. Oh, jeez. Like, what are you doing, guys? Yeah. Come on. You want to talk about a Yaksa story? Yeah. There's, there's, there's rumors about Dynasty Warriors. Let me well, tell you. yeah. I mean, back in the day when, the, like, the original PlayStation and part of the PlayStation 2 era, the Yakuza basically had control of all CD ROM production mm-hmm. in Japan. And basically, you, the, the, word, the word is that if you. Uh, you had to basically like have an allotment ordered for your store of that of those games. Yeah, or well, you would be in trouble. I mean, you had to go through like Koei to mm-hmm. get your games produced in Japan for a really long time. 
That's not even just a story. That is the facts. That is 100% true. I've heard it from the mouths of people at Koei. I mean, they told that story to me about it. Because I always wondered, I'm like, because you go to Japan and you'd go to Koei's building, you're like, damn. Like, <laughs> you, really? How do you guys afford all this? And like, I started out, like, I, again, I shot a documentary with them at one point. And towards the end of the shoot, like, we'd all just become friends. And uh, we went out, like, the last night before we were to leave to come back to the U.S. We just basically went out to get drunk. And I just started asking them all the questions that I was, like, after hanging around with them. I'm like, so, what's the story with, like, where's all this money coming from? And they started telling me this story about how they basically had a monopoly on pressing games in Japan for, like, years. And everybody had to go through them to get their games pressed. And then they started talking a little bit about some other stuff I probably shouldn't mention on the show. But... Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> shady back history yeah. from Koei. Anyway, we're on a tangent. We're supposed to be talking about the Switch. Um, I, for one, am completely satisfied with Switch. If I... And we were showing that... I'm satisfied in the sense that it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, if, if, I, it was, if I was, like, a younger and I didn't have the money to spend and I was, like, I was buying it as, like, my only system, I would probably not be very happy. Well, like, we were showing... We were just showing some old B-roll from Game Face from launch week for Switch a, a minute ago. Um, and if I think back to what my impression, there it is. If I think back to what my impressions were back then and what I thought the Switch would be now, to me, it's been way better than I thought, at least as far as the amount of software on the system. And I mean, a lot of that has to do with how strong it came out of the gate. But the fact of the matter is, I never would have dreamed the Switch would have the number of games that it has a year from then. Yeah. I mean, it definitely has more games than I would have expected, but at the same time, most of those games are ancient. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of... It's like, it's like the thing with this week. They're like all Di- old indie Like, games. Diablo 3. Which isn't in, even happening. Not happening? And that's not happening. Not yeah. happening. Yeah. So that's not even happening. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Blizzard said that But it's, it's just like these weird things where I'm like... So much of the Switch library and the things that people who are Switch fans are talking about are irrelevant to me because yeah. I've already played... Like, it's like irrelevant was, to a lot of like people. There was all this stuff of, like... I saw like a, people talking on Twitter and stuff about, like... They were comparing Doom screenshots... Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't figure out what... It's like, oh, there's a new version yeah. of Doom. Like, and they weren't even calling it Switch. They were just calling it Doom. And it's like, that's how focused they were on, like, just Switch versions of things, was they didn't feel the need yeah. to say what they were talking about. And I'm like, are you, really at the, are you really at the point where you're sitting here comparing, like, maybe this is slightly less shitty looking after <laughs> they upgrade this on this incredibly underpowered system on this, like, two-year-old game that everyone else has already freaking played? Like... Like, who cares? Like, it's, it's great that, like, someone who doesn't have a PC or doesn't have stuff like that and just has, you know, maybe you're a kid with a Switch, but if you're a kid with a, a, kid with a Switch, why are you playing Doom? Yeah. Like, like I don't understand who that's for. Like, I, I guess I get that people want to play it portably, but that's nightmarish to me. Well, I'll say one thing. There has been a fringe benefit of Switch for Sifted as a website. And that fringe benefit is that it has forced us to add tons of games that <laughs> that were released before the site launched. Wow. So literally, since Switch launched, we have added just dozens and dozens of indie games that were released before Sith was ever a thing. Um, so there's been a fringe benefit, but it also pounds the point home that the vast majority of Switch software is mm-hmm. stuff that people played eons ago. Right. I mean, some of these games are like mobile games from mm-hmm. like 2014. That they're charging like 20 bucks for now. Yeah, and, and you like... know and you look on Steam, and those games were released like in 2015, mm-hmm. like February 2015, and now it's coming out in 2018 for Switch. Like, 
Look, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of filler in the Switch library, but the bottom line is, if you were a Nintendo fan and only had the Wii U, God bless you if that's the case, if you only had the Wii U, all this stuff is new to you. And these are, and a lot of them are mm. great games. I mean, there's a lot of great indie games that are available on Switch. The fact of the matter is, we've already, already we've already played them, right? And I also, or we yeah. already bought them for like a dollar in right. like a, in a humble bundle, bundle. and like, yeah. and they're on a PC, and I can play them in way better resolution yeah. with, and a lot of times better performance than I can on a Switch. And why would I, look? I'm not, not a hand, I'm not does, a handheld person. Like I don't yeah. I, playing something. It, to me, playing something on a smaller screen with a cramped... Like the, that's an inferior way to experience a game. I only play handheld stuff if it's not available on anything else. I have found the Switch to be a compromise system because mm -hmm. it's portability. So back when Xbox One first launched, I really liked the ability to put a picture in picture and play a game while something else was on the TV. Like I, that's, I know that's a feature a lot of people probably didn't use. I loved it. Like I could sit and have like football on really small while I played a game, or I could flip it and have the game smaller and football full screen. I really like that feature. And the one thing that the Switch does is it gives you the opportunity to kind of have that second screen experience in your living room. Like I can sit on the couch and play a game on my Switch while I've got hockey on, or while my wife wants to watch something else on the TV, I can still play games. And I don't have a crazy commute anymore where I have to take a train or, or a bus or anything to work. So I kind of miss out on that part of it. I don't travel as much period as I used to for my job. So I agree with you for in a lot of ways, the portability thing isn't that much of a bonus for me. Um, but I can see because of things I've done in my prior life, I can see where it is a huge thing for a lot of people. I just wouldn't, I also don't consider it particularly portable. Like it's too big. It doesn't fit in your pocket. Well, I have be, like a Switch put, case that I got oh, yeah, for Christmas. Me too. And I it's got, like huge. I have a case that came with the Zelda, and like it's, it looks it looks like the Sheikah slate, and it's cool. Uh, but like it's gigantic, and I there's a kind of couple times when I've gone places, like on a trip or something, I'm like oh maybe I could bring the Switch and like I could finally play something handheld. And I hit the two the two big walls of that for me are a I don't have room in my damn bag for something that size, and b uh, I'm just gonna wait till I get home and play it in a superior form. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna, I'm gonna play it and you know and I, and granted sometimes it's not superior form necessarily because it runs worse or you know the higher resolution tanks the performance or whatever. Um, honestly, like if if and I know it's anathema to the name of the system. If Nintendo made like a Switch Pro that was like not portable but like you know instead of the money spent on the screen because the money the the cost of the unit comes with a screen. Um, because that touch screens just cost a certain amount and right. you're never. It's why the Wii U never really dropped in price either. If you gave me like a version of the Switch that was just a console that you couldn't play on the go and it was more powerful PS4 Pro style and like played the games better and I could play Zelda like smoothly at 1080p or something, I'd give you my money right now. Yeah. Like that's what matters to me. I don't care about the portability. I mean, at it all. would basically just be an Nvidia Shield. Yeah. I mean, that's really what the Shield is. I mean, it's the X1 Tegra chip. Yeah. And like, uh, Nintendo already went on the record this week saying that there will be no hardware revisions for this year. Well, they don't need to. Why they don't they? need to, but typically Nintendo's handhelds get a revision. Yeah, but it's that second a, year. A, it's not just their handheld; it's their everything at this yeah. point. And I except think, for Wii, you never never got one. I think it's wise. Uh, I think it's wise of them to not try to split the base right now. I, I don't confuse anyone. Make the switch the switch. Um, just have the Switch be the one thing you buy. You don't have to decide between... Th I think that's smart. I think they're doing the right thing there. You don't need to revi revise anything yet. And look, I'm also impressed that Nintendo managed to get Zelda and Mario out in the same year. Has mm -hmm. that ever happened to 3D Mario and a 3D Zelda in yeah. the same year? 2000... 
two or three. Mario Sunshine and, and Wind Waker both came out in the same year. Okay, so that's not a first. It I happens about every 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we just hit the sweet spot. But, I mean, even if you just look at Nintendo's first party output, it's been pretty darn good. I mean... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I, I mean, really like Splatoon too. I still. That's play also not Splatoon a new thing too. with Nintendo. Like the first party stuff is always good. Like, yeah. you know that that's been the Nintendo system for me for since the Nintendo sixty four. It sits there and once a quarter, Nintendo puts something worth playing on it, and I play it, and that's it. Like that's the end of it. Yeah. Like, that's what Nintendo systems are to me, and like that's fine. Like I, I don't expect them to be more than that. I don't expect the Switch to be more than that, and it hasn't been, and that's fine. What do you think is going to happen going forward? Uh, I think the sales are going to slow down, but not stop. I mean, it's still going to sell well. Um, we need to see what their fall lineup is going to be. I think if the rumors that Pokemon is being localized right now are true, uh, it's going to have a monster fall. Um, as in, like, the fall season will be a monster for sales, not that they're going to fall monstrously. Right, right. Um, I mean, it all hinges on what their, se- their latter half of the year release. I mean, look, it's it's... I mean, I think you can count on Smash Brothers is probably going to come out this year. I'd be surprised if we didn't get Smash Brothers at some point. I mean, in fact, they might want to release that in like summer or something. Like they like they need something. It's bare. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if they're rolling into E3 and they say, "Hey, Smash Brothers in two weeks," or even Smash Brothers is in stores like now, or or there's a demo on the eShop of Smash Brothers right now. Demo, yeah, be a demo. I mean, Nintendo doesn't do that. Nintendo doesn't. Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, and that look how that turned out. It sold well. It sold like three million. It sold rare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what letter grade would you give Switch for its first year in existence? That depends. Like, am I grading the games or am I grading the system? Both. Just the whole experience. I the mean, whole I, Switch experience. I give it like an A minus for games. Like the, the two games I bought it for, Zelda and Mario, and they both were great to good. Yeah. yeah no. No. You know, I, I wasn't as excited about Mario, but I didn't expect to. I didn't expect to like Mario as much as Zelda because I don't like Mario as much as Zelda. Yeah. So that's not a surprise. Uh, so right there, I was hoping for better out of Xenoblade Two. I think I, I find that game to be an incredible disappointment on the on the on the whole. I don't think you're alone there, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think so, no. But, but I mean, a, that is a good point. They did get Xenoblade Chronicles yeah, they got out. It out. They did. It's it. a gigantic game. No, it, it probably needed a little more time in the oven, but I yeah. don't think that would have uh, changed my main you complaints it about not. it. Yeah. I main my main complaint about it is they went like weirdo shonen anime with it, and like everybody's tits are hanging out everywhere, and like it's just embarrassing. I think for yeah. the most part, and it's. it's well, we had talked about some of that stuff before it ever even came out. Yeah, yeah. but like it, it didn't do anything when you got your hands on it to make to change my mind about that stuff. It didn't. It didn't do anything to mitigate that part of it. It was just like it was. In fact, it doubles down. And yeah. if, and I remember one, I went home and played, tried to play it again, and there was a whole. After we talked about it on the show, and I was like, I'm gonna give it, I'll give it more shot. I'm gonna keep going. And I ran into immediately ran into a cutscene where like the 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 weirdo, creepy comic relief potato bird kid guy <laughs> tried to teach the main care the main girl uh, like how to be flirty and and behave blushy crushy and i'm like this is the most embarrassing thing i've ever seen in a fucking video game and i've played hentai games okay like this is this is way beyond and so and like that was basically the end of xenoblade chronicles yeah. 2 for me like the other two games are but still i mean they did get that game out as well within yeah. the first year I mean, look, it's not their fault. Well, it is their fault I didn't like it because they did made horrible decisions. But in terms of, like, filling the schedule, yeah, sometimes you're not going to like everything. Like, yeah. you know, it's not their fault that I didn't like their game. You know, but they got it out. There was something to play. There was something to look at. Something, something big to, do. to play, yeah. too. It's a huge game. I mean, I think between... I mean, as far as they, a they year... They had Zelda, of... and then they, and they got Mario Rabbids, which was not, you know... 
it's, it's not a game of the year candidate, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was fun. Splatoon and 2. And Splatoon 2. And that's a good year of exclusive games for a Nintendo console. 2017 was a solid release. You know, and I think they're going to struggle, like, match, you know, coming close to that this year because they, they, you know, they blew some big guns last year. Yeah. Um, they could probably use a really big RPG, and that's what kind of like Pokemon, you know, everybody hopes they got Pokemon in their back pocket. And I, th- I, th- I think they do. I, I think do too, they yeah. probably Absolutely, do. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so we'll see. I, it's just kind of a barren first half of the year, but it's, a, it's kind of a barren first half of the year for it's everybody so far. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just Switch. It's not just Nintendo. Yeah, we've been working hard for to make these episodes happen for sure. I mean, that'll, it'll be mitigated a little bit when, like, you know, we get God of War and Far Cry 5, and so that's, but like, coming up soon. But, like, yeah. everyone's in the same boat in terms of the drought right now, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I would give Nintendo a flat A, not a minus. I'd give Nintendo an A. Um, not only what we talked about, you know, one of the, and honestly, one of the best years for first-party software yeah. from Nintendo ever, yeah. in my opinion. Um, that's really hard to refute. Um, the indie stuff, it has been this, like, deluge of almost shovelware, but it, it, that, it's an accumulative effect where it's convincing other publishers to get on board. Seeing everybody doing it, you want to do it. You think yeah. everyone's... Can't be stupid. Well, we'll see what happens. Because I think that's going to continue to be an issue. Um, and Rabbids sold well. Rabbids sold well, but like you look at things like Capcom's like, oh, yeah, we want to get on board. And I was like, what about Monster Hunter World? Like, well, Monster Hunter World, no, because There's th- no way you it can't run, run it. Switch, like, yeah. that, see, I mean, that's going to be a hurdle no matter what. Right. And that's going to be continually be a wall thrown up in front of third parties. Is that, you know, just like everything Nintendo since the Wii, if you want to put something on our system, it's got to be some specialized thing built for our underpowered hardware. Yeah. And that is where, you know, so like in terms of what I played, it's like an A minus because I I liked most of what I played. Um, in terms of like the actual system, like I give it like a C. I yeah, I mean, not, obviously, like, I've it, had it's I had problems for mine at, since launch. Right. I mean, I just finally got it working the way it's supposed to work. Um, so maybe I'm not the best person to talk about the hardware specifically because I had a broken unit for like ten months or whatever. But the other thing that has impressed me about Nintendo and how it's handled the Switch, its marketing, I thought has been really smart. How it's targeted, its marketing has been really smart. You can't argue with that. It's just the sales speak for themselves. Yeah, and the way Nintendo has handled supply chain. Yeah, Nintendo, they've definitely tremendously improved their supply chain. If you think chain, back to like the Wii, like I remember when the Wii launched, and it was basically the same phenomenon. You just couldn't find them anywhere. Yeah. Like we literally had to reach out to Nintendo at game trailers and ask them to buy them directly from them. Mm-hmm. And we did, and we made a huge mistake. We bought, like, five of them. Because we were like, dude, this is like the... This is I the mean, new normal, yeah. Well, seriously, it was like the biggest new console ever. Yeah. We, we had a, a G4. We, we established a whole room for it. Like, yeah. we, we built a room that where we could shoot Wii stuff. Because we, we was, needed, yeah. like, live-action footage of people doing stuff. That was, like, the new thing. So like, we, had, we built a whole room for quickly and easily shooting live-action footage of people playing stuff. Yeah, and I mean, we thought it was going to be the next big we thing. We never and, used it and, after, like, the I first mean, six months. I mean, literally, we had... Well, at first, Nintendo was so backwards, they didn't even have debugs. Right. So you had to wait for them to send you code, and they sent you what were green disks, basically, which were these disks that would only play in the consoles that they sent you. Mm-hmm. But then, eventually, they did give us debugs, which were chained yep. to a desk... And we're always connected online, and if somebody came in, like the cleaning ladies came in, yeah. and like flipped the light switch that was tied into the plug it was in, I would get They'd a phone call, call from Nintendo yeah. at 4 in the morning. We uh, have... Shane Satterfield, uh, your, your Wii has been disconnected at your office, and I'm just like, bro, who cares? it's 4 <laughs> in the morning. But we, we ended up having like five Wiis, and mm. literally, 
we ended up using like one of them. Like we basically just wasted money on four of yeah, them once, because it died so fast. Yeah. Well, once I remember once the uh, the power and third parties the never power went code. out at G four. Like the whole building, the whole E building, like the power went out. Like and like the backup generators kick into the so the, the you know the live production didn't stop. So like the, the you know the channel didn't go down, but the office part of the building was yeah. dark. And Nintendo calls because the we yeah. and our editorial guys like like. Yeah, the whole building's dark. Like the whole, day. and they're like, "Could you send us like proof that that is yeah. what happened?" And we're like, "No, call like, the electric company." How, how you want me to? You want me to like? E- like, well, we can't get our email right now because the servers are dead. Like, how you I mean, you- they literally came in with a drill, went underneath our desk, drilled holes yeah. in the bottom of the desk, and installed like this crazy bolt locking system with a chain. Mm-hmm. They basically, like, we basically had to send photos of the the, the office dark. It's yeah. like this is <laughs> power is out. Like we can't. Yeah. Turn I mean, anything we're we're telling you this stuff to at least I'm telling you this stuff to make a point of how Nintendo has evolved. In fact, when Awada passed away, I wrote an editorial that I published on Sifted about how I felt he had changed Nintendo drastically. And I mean, when I first started in the industry, Matt, you when Nintendo's first party games came out, they came to you. With these crazy long ROM carts that were literally like 10 inches long in a yeah, locked box, locked into an N64, and they sat there and watched you play the whole game. I still have one of those. I have a ROM. I have, for an, an, I have an Ogre Battle one. I have a Space Station Silicon Valley one. Ooh. Yeah. But um, that's, I mean, that's a huge change. But still, it's just like they're just inching along and seeing what's ha- going on with like voice chat for online play. Like, there's, they still have a way to go, but I, yeah, the voice, the whole online thing, launching a year and a half after the system yeah, comes it's out. Crazy. I mean, if you want proof that they rushed this thing, yeah. to take the place of the Wii U, there. I mean, I I still believe this thing was going to be the next handheld, and because of the, because of the Wii U crashing and burning, they decided we got to come up with a way to make it the console too. Well, they also probably counted on you know power wise and price wise. By the time they put it out when they were originally intended to, mm-hmm. which would have been probably right around now or maybe at the end of the year. The price to bake them would be cheaper, and they mm-hmm. probably could have sold it for cheaper. But they push it up, push or up the sold price. it for the same, and had more power in the, in yeah. the unit, which would be preferable to yeah. me because it clearly struggles to do even in handheld mode sometimes. I know. Yeah, there are frame rate problems and all kinds of other stuff with third party games, but runs Bayonetta well. Looking at that footage from Game Face a year ago, remembering what my state of mind was regarding the Switch and what I thought the prospects for the Switch were. It's completely blown my expectations out of the water in pretty much every way. Um, I really thought their online would be a little better by now, but it's not really all that surprising that it's not. But uh, for me, I'm really impressed with what Nintendo's done. Again, the supply chain stuff has been great. I saw Switches in stores all through the holidays, and I was all over the East Coast. I was in Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, Western Pennsylvania, and I saw them everywhere. So Nintendo's done a good job getting the supply to the places where it needs to get it to. There was never really a crazy drought like there was with the Wii. Um, I just think I Nintendo's inter- learned a lot of hard lessons over the years, and it's applying them now to Switch. I am just really interested in how quiet they are yeah. right now. Well, it doesn't like you mean Nintendo is Nintendo or yeah. the Switch is Nintendo. Like I don't, I don't mean I don't even. There aren't even amiibos on the release schedule. Like we don't no. know anything about what they're doing. Like the, that one direct. Where they basically and, Nintendo you know, and, Labo, and the Labo, yeah. but like in terms of like kind of like what the plans are for like the rest of the year and kind of where that's going. What and, games are coming? Uh, out. Yeah, there's we don't know anything. Yeah, and like we're, it, we'll, we'll talk about one game in a little and bit. And you wonder but, about like, are we gonna have to wait till E3? It's possible. Like, 
you know, is there going to be an April direct? But again, they're not maybe, alone. Or? I mean, the whole industry is really quiet right now for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, but it's about to kick up again. Yeah. And like we have had some stuff. We've, you know, we, you know, we'd still had Monster Hunter World. We still have Yakuza Six coming around the corner. We've, uh, you know, it's, it's it hasn't been totally dead. Um, it's just it's weird. The, the weirdest thing to me is that they finally ironed out their supply chain problems, and now they have no amiibos to put in it. Yeah. They have no games to put in it. It's, it's so weird. No product. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I think between the two of us, so we still cumulatively gave Nintendo a pretty good review for yeah, Switch. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 exactly what I expected it to be. I mean, it's, it's selling better than I thought it would. Although it's not selling... You thought there would be this many games for it, even though a lot of them are just indie whatever? I, I guess the answer to that is I don't care. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter to me about one it. way or the other. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, okay... Great, like another copy of Binding of Isaac. Like I don't, yeah. it's, I have the same reaction to that as I do to everything else. It's like, but I mean, you know, I said all year I didn't think Mari would make it out last year, and it did. I, I we had that argument already. Yeah. Like I, I knew it was coming. It, the, if if Mario didn't make it out, that was the end of it. Like they had to get that out, yeah. and they did, and it, it was, was good. So good first year. Let's see what Nintendo can do with year two. I think it's looking they, a little dicey they right get now. They Pokemon game out. I think they're good. They'll print money. Yeah. They're, they're sitting pretty. <laughs> you get Pokemon and you get a Smash, a full-fledged Smash Brothers port with some new characters in it. And I think you, you're, you got a pretty good latter half. Yeah. Like even just with those two. I mean, obviously there'll be other things. There'll be other, you know, yeah, there'll yeah. be littler, littler things. You know, I whatever. would like to see a lot of third-party announcements at E3. I'd like to see some third-party announcements that are not games that I played three years ago. That's what I meant. Uh, like we need original content, like what Ubisoft did with right. Rabbids. Yeah. Right. But, uh, I would be surprised if Ubisoft didn't have another weird thing of its yeah. sleeve for the, for the Switch. Absolutely. It seems, Ubisoft seems to be very good at that. Yep. All right, so let's move on. We're going to talk next about an announcement that Sony made this week. First of all, uh, this week, obviously, it's the beginning of the month, so we got the announcements of the free games with gold and the PlayStation Plus free games for the month. Um, I think people were shocked to see Bloodborne mm-hmm. was one of the free PlayStation well, they, Plus They knew games. they had some bad news, so they gave us some good <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It was the whole, like, look over here, the look, side of hand. Bloodborne! Yeah. Forget about this little press release we're going to put What was the other out. one? There's another good one. Uh, other I don't th- remember. It's in the B-roll that we put together for this, this topic. But um, So they announced Bloodborne for free, which is huge, which also leads me to believe that maybe at E3 we get Bloodborne 2 announced or something. Um, so everyone was like, oh my god, Like this is like the best ever PlayStation Plus free game. Agreed. I think we both agree with mm-hmm. that. And then the next day, Sony announces, oh, by the way, we're removing PlayStation 3 and Vita from PlayStation Plus free games. Isn't that like a year from now, though? Yeah. It's like this whole year they're going to keep doing it, and then literally like the beginning of next mm-hmm. year. So it's like 10 months or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty... I mean, the idea that anyone's even noticed that the Vita is still around is kind of amazing. The only <laughs> like, reason I even noticed that the Vita is still around is because of the PlayStation right. Plus free games, though. Like, I don't even know where you would go to buy a Vita game. I don't think you can buy them at retail anymore. Uh, I haven't seen one in forever, no. I mean, I guess Amazon probably has some. I mean, obviously you can go to PSN and you can buy them digitally, right, I but that's... I don't know where you would buy a boxed Vita game at this point. And I therefore, you can, you can, If you're paying attention, I bet you can get them, like, pre-order them at GameStop or whatever. Like, I'm sure. Think? Maybe? I don't know. Do they carry them anymore? <laughs> Maybe on Amazon. I don't know. But uh, that's pretty much the only way I ever add to my collection of Vita games is through PlayStation Plus. Uh, PS3, whatever. There, there are really no games left yeah, that they could make you're, you're, available for the PS3 that yeah the, the, that the, isn't available for the PS4. Systems are done, yeah. especially a year from now. 
I yeah. mean, that's a pretty good run. Yes, yeah, it is. Especially considering, one, how poorly the Vita did the whole time. Mm-hmm. And two, how poorly the PS3 did out of the gate. Right. And I mean, at this point, like, so when they shut this thing down, the PlayStation 3 will be, what, 12 and a half years old almost? Came at the end of almost 2006. Almost 13 years old. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Wow. I can't believe PS3 is that old. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty mind-blowing, to me anyway. Um, I mean, that thing came out the same time as the Wii. Yeah. That's a pretty good length of support right yeah, there. Yeah, you got to hand it to them there. I mean, and to keep supporting it with free games. And, and so the first episode of today's high score, one of the topics we discussed was PlayStation Plus and Xbox uh, Live Games with Gold. And I asked the viewers, do you care about these anymore? And this was before Bloodborne was announced. And a lot of people are just like, no, you know, it's a lot of the games I have already. It just seems like they're shoveling junk that nobody wants into these programs um, and the developers are more than happy to do it because their games aren't selling anyway, and they might as well make a fraction of what they would if they had sold, uh, if they had tried to sell it to someone because they weren't going to buy it anyway. So at least they're getting something for the game. And then there's the whole thing of getting more people to play it and talk about it and blah, blah, blah. And then, like the next day, they announced Bloodborne. So I think, do you anticipate that the games that are going to be available are going to get better? I mean, obviously, they're going to have to be all PS4 games. Not necessarily. I mean, you think Bloodborne is just a flash in the pan? I think Bloodborne definitely is in part chosen because they knew they had some bad news, a to bad thing to have to tell people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so and the time is pretty much right. I mean, I think Bloodborne has probably sold what it's going to sell for the most part. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, look, I everyone I know is like being like, "Oh, that's a great free game." Is I'm like, we all have it already. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> even I have it, and I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> So it's kind of a nice moment to be in. And the other thing about it being Bloodborne is like, maybe there, maybe that means something. Maybe that's what know, I was saying maybe earlier. We gotta, maybe we gotta, we, we want to lay the groundwork for uh, another another From Software. Well, there's that From Software game that's been floating yeah, out. Whatever there that thing is from the Game Awards. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe you're right. Maybe that is just buttering, spread, the, spread the word, greasing the wheels a little yeah. bit for the for the franchise for the IP. But uh, so. You, you have no problem with them taking away Vita and PS3. Because, no. look, there are still a lot of people out yeah, there you could take away, who are playing take... PS3 and Vita. Yeah, well, you, this shit only goes so far, man. I mean, look, yeah, you, where could, do you, you, draw could, the line? you could literally take my Vita away physically, and I would not notice for months. Yeah, yeah. I haven't even seen mine with my own two eyes. And... I don't know where mine is. As a matter of fact, <laughs> what, 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 actually, I don't know where mine is either. I moved, so I moved in November. Three days ago, I found my Vita games. Wow. I, I had the cases. The cases were in the same box with all the other games. But I found the little, like, the travel case where I actually had all the cartridges, the little uh-huh. chips yeah. in it. I'm like, oh, these things. I don't, I, still have, great. <laughs> like, so I know where they are, and that's cool. I don't know where the system is. It's somewhere. I'll find it later. Um, but the Vita is not a thing. I mean, the thing is, like... I was actually talking about this uh, yesterday, I think, with some with some friends of mine. Like, um, we were talking about kind of stores going more digital, as um, you know, and we'll get into the ESRB thing later. Yeah. Uh, but like, and they were talking like, oh, just go full digital. Who cares? Like, it's going to damage used game. But who the hell buys used games anymore? And I'm like, and I had to speak up because I ran a video game independently owned video game store from you know like '98 to about 2000. And the thing you learn, because it was a very, it was a very poor area that we were. It was, a, it was not a, you know, it wasn't an upscale location. Right. Let's say. And the thing I learned doing that is there is a whole second wave 
of customers for games that buy last gen stuff because oh, yeah, they can't absolutely. afford current gen stuff. Yep. It's almost all used. It's almost you know it's, it's you know the, so the publishers don't care because it doesn't make them any money. Right. But there's a whole wave of lower income families that rely on sort of this this used merchandise to keep up with this hobby at kind of in a five year delay, and. Think about those people, like, though. If they pay they aren't, fifty dollars no. a year for a PlayStation Plus, that's what I'm saying. It's like they I don't to them, it would be a boon. I mean, that's one thing I will say is I was putting together B-roll for this today, and even just watching it here live on the show, wow! Look at all the free games we've got for yeah. being on Xbox Live and PlayStation Plus. And this is just—I think this is five or six months worth of games. Mm-hmm. And you start going back how many years I've been a part of Xbox Live since I started doing this, how long I've been a member of PlayStation Plus. Like, I've literally been given hundreds of free games. And now on Xbox, you have these old games that you can play on the backwards compatibility program. They look better and they play better. That's um, mainly what I was playing this week, in fact. Yeah, you, but I texted you. I'm like, what are you been playing? You were, like, playing Crackdown 1 on yeah. Xbox been backwards compatibility. Crackdown and uh, Forza Horizon 1 yeah. on Xbox One X. And look, I know a lot of people... Crackdown's not as good as I remember it. Yeah. I've been trying like, to tell I, you that for, like, 10 years. <laughs> like, it, it's uh, it's weird. It's it's not good. It's, uh, it's just not a good game. It, it feel, it, I feel like more like it's, we've progressed past it. <laughs> Uh, I had progressed past it the day it came out. But. Also, um, <laughs> like the, the, the lock-on system is not yeah. very functional. Also, um, it got me thinking about Crackdown 3 and the idea of trying to sell a game... A game about a super over-equipped, super militarized, like, lethal police force that doesn't care about civilian casualties and, like, murders giant, you know, gangs full of ethnically centralized people. Like, that's a hard sell in 2018, I feel. I don't know how well that one's going to play. Um, but anyway, but I think there is a... I don't know how many of the people I'm talking about kind of, like, deal more in the used, kind of, like, cheaper games from last-gen thing are subscribing to PlayStation Network uh, for 50 bucks a year. That's, uh, that's, a, that's an expense... Uh, that probably a lot of people don't feel they need to, to But have. if you look at it, though, what they're going to get, if they're yeah. someone who hasn't been keeping up with games, I mean, it is worth but every penny time, and some. But at the same time, it's been 12 years. Yeah. And if you have been subscribing, I mean, I have, you know, I do subscribe to them, and I, you know, I, I don't play PS3 stuff much anymore, but I do, you know, when they go up for free, I do add them to the library. So do I, know? yeah. And like, in fact, I just the I other have, day I was like, oh my gosh, it's the twenty eighth. I need to go get yeah. the stuff well, before it's gone. At, if you look and if you look at my list, hundreds. Like, I I'll know, never play them all. I like, know, I'll just, never even play them. At a lot of them. Like, my, so it's like on one hand, yeah, it's like it sucks like that you won't get that benefit anymore if you have a PS3. But it's like at the same time, like, what else do you want in the yeah. PS3 library? They've they've hit almost all the major. Well, stuff. most of the PS3 stuff that they put in the service anyway, you can also play it on PS4. Yeah. A lot of it is like a lot of games it is, that came out for is, both. Yeah, yeah, remasters or whatever. So I don't know. I, I think that you know it, when we you got to move on sometimes. You're right. On today's high score, like I kind of had the impression of, you know, who really wants these games anymore? A lot of the people who called in kind of felt the same way. But actually, like going back and looking at this stuff, and from the perspective that you mentioned, I mean, there are a lot of people out there who don't have a lot of disposable income, and they're playing like they picked up an old PS3 for like fifty bucks. And uh, they need something to play on it. They can't afford a ton of games. Uh, this ser- these services are great for people like that. And again, like I'm like you. I have hundreds and hundreds of games in my library, all basically as fringe benefits for just subscribing to their service. So 
Sometimes it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of somebody else. Especially on the flip side, if you you're, don't have a lot of disposable income and you bought a Vita, that's on you. Yeah, that's your fault. <laughs> Without a doubt. So, I don't know. I, I always wish that whenever we had one of these discussions about systems being sent out the pasture, we had taps on the TriCaster. Yeah. So we could just play taps and we could stand at attention and say, au revoir to the... So do, uh, do PS3 games still come out? Uh, like in retail? Like yeah. On, like is it just like... like was there a Madden? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, no, there wasn't a Madden this year. Um, and that's the other thing, too. Now all the big sports franchises have finally cut the cord, mm. and, like, you're not getting FIFA or Madden. Yeah, like, Madden. to me, that's the, the death of a system is when there's no longer FIFA yeah. or Madden on They're it. They're always the last ones to go. Yeah. I think maybe Winning Eleven was still on mm. PS3 last year. That's Konami, though. Yeah. And they don't count. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a <laughs> we long... We talk about time. logic. Konami does not count. Yeah, that's a long time. I mean, think about it. Like, it's the equivalent of, like, when the PS3 came out. It's the equivalent of still supporting a system from 1994. Yeah. It'd be like if they were still making Sega CD games. Well, it's like my, uh, my little sister. She uses a PS3 as her entertainment hub. Well, it's a because, great Blu-ray player. Right. It's a great Blu-ray player. It still has all the apps on it. You can use mm -hmm. Netflix, Amazon, Roku. All that stuff is on there. Um, so, you know, she uses it for that. Like, I still, she doesn't hardly play games well, I still on have it. my, uh, my 60 gig fat. So do I. Uh, from, from launch. And, uh, I use, you know, honestly, the thing I've used it for the most in the last year is probably playing PS2 games. Yeah. Because it's got the native backwards hardware compatibility. backwards compatibility. All the I've way back it. to yeah. PlayStation 1. Well, all of them do that. That's easy. But only, only that first wave of 60 gigs have the Emotion Engine chip in it. Right. Because so, everything else is software for the PS2, right, so right. it's only like what what it supports. But the, the that 60 gig fat literally has a PS2 in it, and uh, you can play anything on it, and it, it's great. Last time I played it, I played like Wheel of Fortune. Like, I, we had we had people over, and they were looking through all my games, just hundreds and hundreds of games, and, that's and what they, they pointed out. Wheel of Fortune for the PlayStation 2, and I was like, you know what? We can play that. Right, you can do that. <laughs> I played. It actually did not work properly. Mm. Like the cinema is like we're skipping all over, and uh... I went through a little kind of retro PS2 phase uh, in like December, and I played uh, through Blood Will Tell oh, and uh, Shadow of Rome. Oh wow! And Bujin Guy. Jeez. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what gripped me on that <laughs> one. Either. Someone must have drugged you. I was, I was just like, I want to play a bunch of. Hack and slash Japanese action games no one's ever heard of. That yeah. was that was my uh, my mo on that one, I guess. But it's so it's crazy. So when systems get sent out to pasture, we have to. There's a breaking point where a system becomes retro on Sifted. Mm -hmm. So in our admin, um, when I decide that a system should be classified as retro, I have to talk to Brent, and then anything that's tagged to that console instantly also gets tagged to our retro channel. So do you think it's time? For, well, maybe a year from now, yeah. You think it's time for the 360, the PS3, and the Vita to be added to the retro? Vita, definitely. I, think the Vita, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Senren Kagura does not a system library make. I, would ar I could argue, though, that the Vita is still the most advanced like gaming handheld ever still. Maybe. I mean, maybe. I think Switch is more powerful than it, but I think the Vita has more features than the Switch. Definitely got a better screen. Yeah. I mean... It's kind of crazy to think about, yeah. but but yeah, a so, it's a beautiful piece of hardware. Sony just didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, it's true. Well, no one did. No, it just. I mean, it says something. My most played Vita game is probably Ninja Gaiden Black. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, 
a game I'd already finished like seven times. That's the I, thing I, I played never the most. built a relationship with that system. That and Persona 4 Golden, those are the two things I played. Like I played, I don't know, I probably played ten games on it, like from beginning to end or something mm-hmm. like that. But you know what I'm talking about? Like once you've played like a big like hundred hour game with the system, like that yeah. system becomes like your bro. I never had that connection with the Vita. There was never anything to do that. It mean, never happened. I mean, I guess Persona 4. I finished Persona 4, and it was just like, man, I wish I could have played that on a TV. Right. I... <laughs> well, then there was the whole, I like, didn't find the Vita very comfortable to play. Yeah, me either. Then there was the whole, like, remote play thing where you could be anywhere with your Vita, and, like, Lies. as long as you're... Yeah, it never really worked well enough. It didn't work to too well, and when it did, it did work, the lag was too bad for me to play most of the things It, I it reminds play. me a lot of Steam Link, to be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> so you could play turn-based RPGs, and that was about all you could yeah, do Steam like thing is i mean it's a fun trick but like yeah. i i loaded up uh arkham city on my in my living room and tried to play it and it, the, the lag is so bad it was bad just bad enough that the counters don't work i can't counter fast it's, enough. then you can't play and it's like then well, you can't play the game yep so there it is turn-based PS3. strategy games yeah ps3 and vita i mean i i love the ps3 i had a lot of good times with that i spent a ton of time with that system mm-hmm. but the vita just kind of came and went like a ghost i had my ps3 for uh, pretty much exclusively for playstation exclusive like i didn't play anything multi-platform on it it was, yeah, it was my much. nintendo system almost right. in the sense that like, i was there for the sony exclusives and they were great there was a lot of great exclusives for a ps3 so there you go my yak is a machine yep respect all right let's move on we're going to talk next about the next battlefield so we went from one to five yep. in this one? <laughs> yeah. Well, when the story first broke, VentureBeat actually broke the story. So we went Battlefield 3, Battlefield 4, Battlefield 1, Battlefield 5. Battlefield 5, yeah. Even though it's the sixth. <laughs> it's actually Battlefield V. It's not even like the numeric mm. five. Oh, when, so V for victory. Yeah, when, when the, uh, I guess so, when the story broke, VentureBeat broke the story, which I've never seen VentureBeat break anything. V for really. VentureBeat. V for VentureBeat. They said it was Battlefield 2. And I was like, I'm like, no, no, no. no we did I'm that already. I'm so sick of these publishers naming games the same. It's like, a, it's a database nightmare. Not even put dice. Yeah. <laughs> Battlefront. Yeah. Battlefront. Right. Battlefront. It's like, yeah. Now you got to be like, oh, Battlefront I mean, 2. Battlefront 2 classic. Like Battlefront 2. Yeah. It's yeah. like, so what we have to do in our database is we have to go back to the old Battlefield, or at least that's what we did at first. It had Battlefield 2005 or whatever. Was that the year it came out? I think it was. Um, and then they updated the story and said, oh, actually, it's called Battlefield 5. Battlefield 2 was what it is what it's called internally. Mm. So it's Battlefield 5. It's going to World War II. It's called Battlefield also. Right. <laughs> it's Battlefield 5 going to back to World War II. Um, how do you feel about that, Matt? I mean, we just got Call of Duty World War II. We just got uh. Battlefield 1, which was in World War One. I am one of those people that thinks Battlefield peaked with Battlefield 1942. Uh, so uh, I think it peaked with the original Battlefield 2. Mm, I don't know. We had that argument already in 2005. We did. Um, <laughs> to me, Battlefield never has, ne- has never been better than that de- demo on Wake Island. Yeah, like that, is, that we played over, over and, and over and over and over and over. And, over <laughs> and, over. and then the like, game comes, oh, finally, other maps. Let's go back to Wake Island. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're so, right. I mean, I, I like the World War II setting for Battlefield in the sense that, like, I think the Battlefield gameplay loop works best with that kind of level of tech. And right, scenario. at least the tech is up to a place, because Battlefield 1, mm. not quite. I mean, it just felt like it was on the cusp of, of being something that could make use yeah. of the it was, tech. I mean, it was nice to, to see that war. I mean, well, that's a weird thing to yeah. say. 
But it was like it was. I get what you mean. It was at least a, a more unique setting than what were you. It was. It was nice to see World War One get its due a little bit. Um, it's, it's funny. Like we've seen a lot between this and Wonder Woman. Like World War II, World War One has actually uh, gotten a little playtime. Yeah, it is. Recently. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm fine with World. I mean, but do you think it's going to be Me Too because Call of Duty just went back to World War Two? Maybe. I mean, obviously they're different games. Particularly in the multiplayer, they're I also, like, Call of Duty World War II didn't really set my world on fire. Me either. Um, I never finished the campaign. I never really went back to it. Um, I did ultimately go back and finish it. But... The only reason I would go back to it is because it's HDR support. Oh. <laughs> so it'd be like, oh, what's it look like on my TV? It's like, yeah. uh, tech tricks. I'll get me back to your game. Um, For ten minutes. Yeah. But I, I did go back and finish the campaign, and it, to me, it was a struggle to get through it. Yeah. I did not particularly enjoy most of it. Instead, what I actually did is I went back and I replayed Infinite Warfare. No, oh. I wanted to play Call. I was like, I feel like playing Call of Duty, World War Two. No, I'm gonna play Infinite Warfare. It has spaceships. I, I had fun with the multiplayer for a while, um, but the more I played it, the less I enjoyed it because mm-hmm. it just after a while you realize it was a stripped down version of what I had been playing for the last ten years, essentially. Yeah. It's, I'm more it's just a, a very, and I get a lot of people like it because it was more simple and it was easier to understand and it was just basically like point shoot fire. You know, it was. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more. You have to worry about sliding person. or jetpacking or any of that. I like Call of Duty's campaigns better, but I like Battlefield's multiplayer better. I think most, most. Well, I wouldn't say most people agree with that because I wouldn't think so. obviously Call of obviously Duty, Call of Duty, is, Duty like, is a much bigger. But thing. I agree with you on that assessment. I mean, but look, there were days where I played a ton of COD multiplayer. But after you've really kind of got into a couple of those games for, like, a whole year's amount of time, like, I don't know. I, I can't play it that long anymore. Even when they changed it and kind of stripped it down for this game. Like, it's still, I just got to a point where, like, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I'm never going to be that good at this. I think I've also reached that point where my reflexes and everything, I just am to the point where I'm never going to get better at it. I'm only going to get worse. And, and I'm a really competitive person. Like, I hate to lose or I hate to get my ass kicked at anything. And uh, it's honestly made it hard for me to play the game. Like, these kids are so good and, like... Oh, how did you live through that? Live through what? Well, somebody caught you completely flat-footed while reloading and they didn't kill you. It's COD, bruh. <laughs> Actually, in this one, like, it only takes a couple bullets to, to drop you, but... But yeah, I mean, maybe playing through World War II with a more elaborate multiplayer setup where you're really getting involved with the vehicles and the planes mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like and the, the maps and kind of like how like the, the, the ebb and flow of like the vehicle stuff and how that all kind of like came together into a larger scale thing has always been the appeal of Battlefield to me. Yeah. Um, and I think World War II, you know, the World War II setting always, I, I found, always found that like my, to be my favorite with Battlefield in that sense just because I understand it, yeah. I guess. It's like, it's like I know what this is. I, you know, everything kind of has that... That sort of standard warfare sort of thing going on, and it feels like back to basics might be this might be the the, the trick that they need to pull here. But I don't know. I'm not the target audience for that. I don't yeah. You know, I don't obsessively play the multiplayer. I'm, I don't buy things because of multiplayer. So like, what the hell do I know? Well, Battlefield One was a huge success, um, based on the fact that we just played a World War II shooter last year with Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Do you expect this game to do better or worse than Battlefield One? Um. I think probably better. You think better? I think so. I mean, it's it's a more uh, recognizable scenario. It's kind of the thing that made Battlefield Battlefield. Um, it's going to look really nice, and it'll have much, you know, 
I mean, I, it was a cliche at some point, but I kind of want to see what Omaha Beach looks like with modern technology. We don't see that much. It used to be like that and Hoth used to be like the two yeah, battles yeah. we never wanted to see again. <laughs> but it's been a while. I kind of yeah, yeah. like to play, you know, the, the, the Omaha Beach level in Battlefield 1942 was kind of cool. It was unbalanced and annoying, but like, it was different. I mean, it was in Call of Duty World War II. Yeah. Ish. Just this, Battlefield does scale way better. Battlefield's a better looking game than Call of Duty. I mean, I was really disappointed in how World War II looked after playing Battlefield 1. Like, to me, it was a huge letdown compared to what DICE is doing. So, uh, I hear you on that. Like, I would, you know, I would not mind playing through that again uh, on the highest fidelity possible. Who is this? This year's Call of Duty is Treyarch? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they've pretty much confirmed already that it's Black Black Ops. Ops. Yeah. They just haven't really said what era yet, but chances are it's not going to be that old. No. They won't go to, like, wouldn't it be funny if, like, Call of Duty, they went back to World War One and they did, like, the flip-flop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 for some reason, I keep thinking it's going to be, like, a Cold War Korea kind of thing. It's possible. But it's not going to be that old. Like, no, Treyarch's never going to go back to, like, I don't even think World War One. No. Well, Good. I mean, yeah. they were never very good at World War Two, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people would say that that uh, their World War Two game was the best for a long time. Well, they're wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, what was better than World at War Two? I would say yeah. Call of Duty Two, Call of Duty One, and Allied Assault were all better than Call of Duty Three and Call of Duty World at War. Yeah, I think some people might argue with you about that, but yeah, well, it's care. open for interpretation. I don't care. <laughs> So, I, don't like, I don't particularly like how Treyarch paces things, and I've never found their set pieces particularly involving or interesting. So World at War, I, I thought was was kind of there. Like, I don't, you know, it's better than three, but it still it also still has that grenade spam problem that they yeah. took took them till Black Ops One to solve. Yeah. Where like especially on the higher difficulty, where like you're like oh no no hide behind cover, clink 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 clink, <laughs> like it's just. No. Or you play the campaign and, like, some dude, like, 200 yards away is, like, yeah, red far. He throws a grenade and it lands, like, right <laughs> yeah. in your bag. Like, <laughs> it's pretty insane. But, uh, so I'm guessing they already announced for EA Play, which, by the way, EA, once again, is not a part of E3. It's doing its own right. thing again. They already announced that, that, that it'll be there. Uh, the game is launching in October. Um, Anthem will also be there. And I think they announced I would, one I would expect game. so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we probably will be getting a look at it, I'm guessing, before E3, maybe at least a trailer or something like that. Maybe a teaser like or something, yeah. Yeah, so it shouldn't be too much longer until we see it. E3 is not that far away, by the way. No, it's what, like three months? Yeah, holy yeah. cow. It's going to come up fast. But, uh, but yeah, we should be getting a uh, first look at that pretty soon and then revving up for the big, huge E3 reveal. So we don't have to wait long. Treyarch, though, that probably will wait till E3. Or no. No, actually, Call of Duty also gets a little something something before e3 mm-hmm. usually yeah i think that's the cycle for the, the big stuff it tends to be like tease tease a little tease a little this a little that and then like there it is it e3. is the whole thing yeah you get to play it and all that stuff so won't be long to wait let's move on talk next about a little game that is making a lot of noise um into the breach right mm-hmm. now it has a 91 metacritic average uh, it's a spiritual successor to FTL, which is like a huge indie game yeah. from like back when I was at game trailers. I remember Ryan Stevens coming in my office. He's like, oh, I feel terrible today. And I'm like, why? He's like, oh, I was playing this game last night, like till like five in the morning, FTL. And I was like, what the hell is that? Like that was also back when indie games were just kind of becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, I backed it was kind of one of the first big like indie. Hits. Well, it, was a, it was a Kickstarter, right? I, I backed it on Kickstarter FTL. Um, it's, cool. it's like a, it's like a roguelite uh, spaceship game. Put, getting B roll for this was <laughs> was tough. It's not a not a stunner visually, that's for sure. No. So it's a, um, what is it? It's a grid based strategy. Yeah, uh, although it's kind. I mean, it's a roguelite. In the, I mean, in the, the spiritual successor to FTL is is. Mm. Iffy. It's. I mean, it's the same team. It's the same people. Uh, mainly, it's just like it's got roguelite elements where, like, you know, the, the maps are, are randomized or they're different each time. And like, you know, so the premise is basically it's it's mechs versus kaiju. It's Pacific, the Pacific Rim thing. Um, but the trick is that basically it starts after humanity has already lost the fight with the monsters, uh, the the Vec, and. Um, the trick is that these the guys in the mechs here can time travel. So the idea is that they've gone back in time to before we lost and started the right. fight again. Okay. And if you and so you see the um, you're fighting for humanity. Yeah. So you see the the power grid thing in the upper left there, that meter. Yeah. So every time a monster, so the way it works is like you get dropped down here, and then the monsters go. The monster turn, they'll basically pick the things they're going to attack in the next turn. So your turn has to be spent stopping them from attacking things. And the way to do it, you can kill them, obviously, but the other way you can do it is like, so you see like how there's an arrow on each monster pointing the direction they're going to attack? Yeah. You have various attacks that can move the monsters, that can like... You know, you can punch them. You can and knock they, them and they, into water. Yeah, you can knock them right. into water, which kills them. You so there's like you environmental. Know. But basically, their attack remains in the direction it's pointing, no matter where they are. So if you say so, that one like little scorpion thing that's pointing at the building down at the bottom of the map there. If you walk up to it and you punch it, like you'll see here, this artillery shell will push it down one. So now when it, its turn happens, it will attack nothing instead of that building. Right. So. Um, and every time you lose a building, you lose a, a bar on the power grid. And the power grid goes down to nothing, you lose the war, and you have to start over. The whole game. The, the whole game, except you get to carry one of your pilots over with the, his level ups or stats or whatever. With permadeath, right? Uh, more or less, yeah. Yeah. And so you get to you start over again, but you get to carry over kind of like some minor stat upgrades if you leveled up your pilot enough. And eventually you unlock the ability to, uh, to have new squads and different types of mechs, and like it, it gets more and more complex. But early on, it's very simple. The trick is that basically this is not a turn-based strategy game so much as it is a puzzle game. The, one of the hardest things... I'm not very good at this game. One of the hardest things for me to have learned playing this is that the point is not to kill them. It's to knock because them off the map, you have to, right? You, have to, you just have to move them. You just have to, like, get them... You have to make sure they don't attack your stuff and move them around, whatever. That's way more important than killing anything. Because... And one of the, one of the things about that is, like... And also, like, because then you're like, oh, well, because new ones pop up out of the ground every other turn. And you're like, well, you'll just be overrun. Not quite, because one of the things that, like, one of the tricks to it is if you knock an enemy into another enemy, they, they hurt that other enemy and can push them. So, like, you can create, set up like huge pool. chains. Yeah. yeah. You can set up, like, huge chains that, like, uh, damage all of them. Like, you, and, and so the... That the, can be really satisfying, though, when you oh, get it okay. right. Yeah. But it's also really frustrating in the sense that you make one miscalculation, it'll all unravel. Right. So that, so the... the, the and you have to start all over. The tension <laughs> between, like, you know, 
you know, staying ahead of like the strategy and planning everything out properly and sort of balancing the idea of, you know, killing things when it's convenient, but not getting so distracted by killing them that you're ignoring the actual objective, which is simply to last a certain number of turns without getting stuff blown up. Um, like the tension between those two things is very satisfying when you pull it off and very flipping the keyboard over uh, when you screw it up. Um, Are you so playing I, this on PC right now? Yeah, I think it's the what only I'll, thing it's on. Is that the only thing it's on? I can check real quick. Unless it's on mobile. I guess it might be on like mobile or something. Uh, PC, Mac, and Linux. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not... The, th the thing about it is like I'm not a giant turn-based person. Um, I'm also not a huge kind of turn-based strategy like devotee. So part of this is like I'm too lazy to be very good at this game yeah. to some degree. But it's like I, it sucked me in and I bought it because, look, it's giant robots fighting giant monsters and your premise is already pulled. Like already you've won. Yeah. Like you've won that fight <laughs> with me. Okay, I'm, I'm in on your premise. The idea of like... The, and I, I also like turn-based strategy. And the idea of like the, like. You know, the whole like, oh, we lost, we got to time travel out. And, like, it's weird. Like, every, people in the buildings constantly talk about, like, oh, they're here to save us. And, da, da, da. and like, you feel bad when they die because <laughs> you screwed up. And then, like, they're like, we got to go, you know, bail out. And sometimes the commander is like, it's like, if you really can time travel, go and save us in another timeline. It's like, it's, it's like this bl really bleak kind of thing. Uh -huh. And um, so that's a really cool. It's just, I just, I have not really had the patience to get to fully wrap my head around this. But not I, much pomp and circumstance in this game. It's no. a very Spartan presentation. So, uh, but I like the gra I like how it looks. I like how everything works in it. And uh, like I understand, I understand why it's getting such good reviews. I would Nine point one Metacritic. Yeah, um, we don't talk about a lot of games like this on Game Face, but review after review has just been like. Hard as balls, love yeah. it. Hard well, then, as of balls, course, like, love you, it. If you go to the Steam discussions, it's just endless threads. People saying, I beat this in two hours without losing a single person. It's way too easy. It sucks. I want my money back. And I'm like, are you a liar or are you like... Just, <laughs> a I, I savant. Know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. <laughs> I do love games like this. This game, to me, is perfect for the Switch. The, yeah, would these be a good games Switch are release. perfect for handhelds. Um, on the go, you can take your time. You can just turn, put it, put it to sleep. Come back, go a couple turns, turn it off. These games are perfect for handhelds. Put it on the Vita, damn it. Sure. <laughs> Create a retail version of this for Vita. Um, and look, I'm guessing that this will not just remain a PC, Mac, and Linux release. Eventually, it's going to come to probably everything. But uh, I would, you know, well, I don't know what, what it, where, wherever FTL went. I imagine this will go. Yeah, I think FTL went ultimately everywhere. Releasing for Switch next week, Matt. I think it actually is. FTL? Yeah. All right. <laughs> there you go. There's another game I played half a decade ago. Yep. So anyway, that's Into the Breach. How much was it, Matt? Fifteen. Fifteen bucks. Mm -hmm. And you, probably you can get a lot of playtime out of this. Yeah, especially, I mean, if, if you're good enough to finish it on one quarter, more or less, as the Steam reviewers claim to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, you go through hard mode, and, and I'm sure there'll be more updates and various things Lots you can do. Lots of DLC, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of mechs to, to unlock and squads to kind of build and sort of play with and decide what, you know, what you think is, what, what fits your play style best, because, like, you know, it really comes down to having the tools to just knock the monsters away from build. And, like, you know, once there's enough monsters... You got more monsters than mechs, and yeah, and that's yet one of the other things that I had to learn was like, yeah, I come from a Fire Emblem Shining Force school where it's like one of the things you do the most is like, like you can't let your guys get damaged, right? 
that doesn't matter so much in this one because you can take a turn to repair if you need to uh. um, for each mech. And also, like, the mechs, as long as the mech doesn't die, um, like, it's way more important to not let them hit the building. So if, if, you, if, you, if you can take a hit instead of a building, like, take it. And uh, that was a hard thing to learn because my instinct is always to not let my characters right. get damaged. Yep. But that is preferable in this to losing a building because losing the building takes you a step closer to losing the game. So yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. Uh, a lot of interesting choices to make. Um, you know, it's it's going to try your patience until you really learn how it works. So I would you know definitely be ready to, you know. Give it a chance if you're not you know, a strategy savant, um, but it's uh, well worth playing. If, if you're looking at this and you think it looks cool, I think you'll like it. Fair enough. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about the ESRB. The Ezrub? Our good pals in Philadelphia, by the way. You know, that's where mm. the ESRB is located. Um, my old stomping grounds. It didn't get burned down. After the uh, no, after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, the SRB it still exists, <laughs> and we know because this week it made a decision to put new labels on game packaging for essentially loot boxes. Mm -hmm. um, it's an in-game purchases right. label, which to anyone but the the idiot would realize that this is ESRB trying to step in and find a middle ground, mm -hmm. so that. And this is the gaming industry does this all the time. It tries to self-regulate so that the government doesn't get involved. That's the whole purpose of the ESRB. <laughs> it really is. I mean, that's why the ESRB exists because right. they they formed it so the government wouldn't step in and, and prevent another uh, uh, night trap from right. being made back in the day. And or uh, the resident <laughs> of Evil Creek. Meanwhile, this week, this coming week, apparently, our president has a meeting with the video game industry. And no one in the video game industry knows is, who he's meeting with. Yes, he's not meeting with the ESA. He's well, not... here's the th I think what's going to happen is, I think, you know, Trump, he shoots his mouth off about what he plans to do all of them, so I'm sure he just hasn't called them yet. Like, at some point, because the ESA is the lobby group. It's got to be who he's meeting with, who you plans to meet with. So at some point next week, someone's going to call the ESA and be like, oh, by the way, send, send people out. This week, you know, and yeah, that'll be that. Like, they, but they, they went out yesterday and said no one's contacted. They said no one's contacted. But it's, just, I'm, I guarantee you, it's because this this White House is a giant clusterfuck. Basically, like, there's no organization. I mean, he, I, I'm sure that's the first anyone in the White House heard of it too. Well, so. he, he he should probably make himself aware of the ESRB because apparently he has no idea that there are already. Well, he doesn't ratings know there's for, movie ratings. Apparently, yeah, he, apparently, we should have a rating system on that. Oh, good idea. <laughs> How about we just Pretty act... sure that movie rating system's older than him. How about we just act like we just created them now? Yeah, you could be yeah, like, oh, wow, like, that was so fast. I'm glad I thought of it. After your yeah. speech, we just went out and we created the ESRB. Yeah. Here, look at it. We slapped them on every game. We, we, re, we reissued every game from the last 25 years. <laughs> we discovered this new technology that can go and, like, print stuff on boxes at people's homes. And now, look, all their old games now have ratings on them. But, uh, Clearly, this is a man who takes great care in what his children play. Yeah. <laughs> so, the ESRB is going to start labeling games that have loot boxes on them. Mm -hmm. Do you, Is that enough? Um, I know you're a strong proponent that loot boxes aren't gambling. And no. the, that's the ESRB's now, I don't think, stance as well. Now, I don't think they have to be gambling to be terrible yeah. or predatory, right, which right. they are. Uh, my main thing is, like, uh, especially with this government right now, you do not want the government regulating an art form. Yeah. And this gives them a foot in that door. That if, if you were going to regulate this as gambling, not something we want. Here's the thing. 
ESRB, the ESRB uh, label here is a step. It's not really solving anything. It doesn't really it's do anything. To, but here's the thing. It's all for show. Here's the thing. It can, if, you know, as an as a industry or as a, a consumer base, we play the cards right. All you need to do is scare Walmart enough that they won't carry something with that label on it. Same like, like an AO game. If you if you make this out to be like some see that's the that's the tar, to me that would be the target we take is like push to Walmart push to these major big box retailers that these are basically pushing if not gambling at least predatory marketing techniques towards young, you know underage consumers and kind of get a parents group involved in that if you can make it so Walmart won't carry something with that on it you win. Because with it's, the it's idea, too huge a retail <clears throat> pipeline for, and at that point, publishers are basically forced to not put them in. So you're saying, with the goal of eliminating loot boxes altogether. The way to me, if you, if, you're, if they're going to put this label on here, one of the ways you could eliminate the publisher's you know ability to put that in the game would be to to make, convince like people like Walmart and Best Buy these big. You know, Walmart is some crazy percentage of retail sales for for video games. Yeah, it's some huge number. number. And that's why there's no AO games, because Walmart won't carry them. So if you can get con somehow convince Walmart to not carry in-game purchase things, uh, uh, you know, framing them as a predatory thing or something that would be like an ethically wrong thing to sell to children, the game publishers would have to stop putting them in because otherwise their games won't be sold at Walmart. Yeah. And that's how you win, without getting the government to regulate video games, because nobody wants that. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually. That would be my tactic. Um, I don't know if it would work, but that would be my first try. I don't know if you saw or not, but uh, a group of game developers at GDC, which is like next week or the week after. Yes, I saw, I, yeah, I saw that. They are going to have a panel where they're basically going to stand up for loot boxes. They, yeah. they are. No one called me to be on that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, don't me know what, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't think they're going to call any consumers to be on that panel because they just want to have an echo chamber. Did they not see the episode? Yeah. <laughs> You know that they're that, like some of those developers are calling like the out the outlash against loot boxes censorship. Yeah, they, I don't think they know what censorship <laughs> is. Nobody knows what censorship is. That has to be one of the most misunderstood, misused, misconstrued. Oh, it's definitely terms the most misused ever. term in gaming. I mean, not even just gaming. Not just gaming, but just I, I see world. it. I see it misused in games more often than anywhere else. Yeah. Except, I mean, First Amendment's a separate thing, right. but it's a, it's a related misunderstanding. Um, yeah, that's not what censorship. Like, like yeah. you can't, is the government throwing you in jail for putting loot boxes in your game? No, you're not being censored. It's well, just people saying you're an asshole. Well, I think probably what their perspective is is, well, if you look at all the polls, 69% of gamers are totally fine with microtransactions and blah blah blah. So if you're going to force us to remove that from the game, then I could see where in their minds they're like, that's censorship. Well, that's not censorship because these though. people like it, they want it. We want to give it to them, and you're telling us we can't do that. But no one's telling them they can't do that. They're just people are saying they don't like it. So if you think 69% of the audience does like it and doesn't care, just ignore the rest of them and see how that goes for you. Well, I think it's very similar to the people who think that like the government's going to take their guns away. Right. It's never going to happen. But there's just this paranoia. And so the developers, their paranoia well, like is the that they're going to take loot boxes away. Well, it's like the people that say like if they get banned from YouTube, they've been censored. It's like, right. no. Yeah. <laughs> For one thing, you're telling me this now, which means you are free to t say <laughs> yeah, whatever you you're want. You're not censored, yeah. It's just YouTube is a private company, and they can do whatever yeah. they want. To, to It's like we said all the time. You're free to say whatever you want. You're not free from consequences, right. is what you say. And this is like, 
I mean, again, it's the market, right? Like you can, if you, if they decide that, like you know, the the people that don't like loot boxes are a minority, just a loud minority, and that most people don't care, and they want to take the risk of not doing anything about it, they can. Like they're totally free to do that. That's the definition of not being censored. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you run the risk of of alienating the audience that doesn't like them, and that audience, you don't know who that audience is. Maybe sixty nine percent of people. Say they approve or don't care about loot boxes because they don't. They're a casual audience that doesn't know what they are. Right. And the people that yeah, don't like right. it seems yeah. to me that the people that don't like them are a smaller minority, but they are also the more dedicated hardcore minority. And there has been a tendency for that minority to kind of dictate the conversation going outward towards the casual market because they're also the people that the casual market will come to their friends who are the hardcore people and say like, "What do I buy?" Which you say happens to you all the time with your friends from back in yeah. back in. Well, I mean, again, so. anecdotally, my one friend from home that bought Battlefront Two and was just like, "I, what's everybody talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm totally fine with all this stuff." He also plays, and a lot of casuals play mobile games, and that's mm-hmm. where this stuff has come from, like the microtransactions where. Give me two dollars so I got a purple hat yep. or whatever. I mean, that's where it all started, and now it's oh, yeah. after, infiltrated into. After about ten games. years, we won't put up with that shit anymore, will yeah. we? But do you think what the ESRB is doing is going to do anything? Is it going to do anything in what sense? I like, mean, it provides. It provides. Is it going to get the government away from worrying about? Because what's happened? There's like the the guy in Hawaii. He's like all over it. There's. A couple other states dotted mm. around the United States where there are Congress people who are looking into it. Do you think the ESRB doing this is going to get those people off the trail? Not necessarily, but the thing is, like, I don't think they're ever going to get anywhere with that. Like, yeah. it's it's um, it would you know maybe on a state to state basis, but like it seems very unlikely. Like, especially now that like you know if if this whole violence in video games thing being blamed for school shootings. Uh, gains any more traction at the high levels of power like the industry as a whole has bigger fish to fry at that point um this i just feel like this is going to be um it's going to be an issue that persists i think the srb putting that label out does it do uh, anything i think it gives consumers some leverage in terms of what i just said about you know talking to retailers about hey like hey this is an indicator of, of predatory technique and you probably don't want to be selling your people, your customer base. This, like, that's the tactic I would take. Is yeah, I don't I, legislating the content of an art form, even though this is not art per se. It's a marketing technique within the art. Like that's that's I don't like to do the slippery slope thing, but that is a bridge too far to me. Like we got to find a way to convince the publishers that like this is a bad idea. In this, not only in the sense that you're treating the consumers badly. But in the sense that you're going to invite a monster in here, and to quote Luke Skywalker, this will not end how you think it will. Yeah, I mean, you could already like, see it happening. I mean, and ima- so imagine if that if this had all happened years ago, and we already had a, we had a government body that had stepped in to regulate content in games to make sure it's not using predatory market. Now imagine bad, that that ha- now ima- so, but imagine that that's in place. Now imagine that Trump decided that violence in video games is what causes mass shootings. Yeah. And they have a and government all of a sudden, they have a government entity outlawed. Yeah, they can yeah. have a government entity that can that has that watchdog power over the medium like you got to at really the very bad. least you got to write that charter real careful. Yeah, for sure. That's what censorship is. No, when the right. government says you can and cannot do things in this Medium. And I yeah. and I'm not saying that loot boxes should be protected speech because it's an art form or right. something. What I'm saying is you let that you let that genie out of the bottle. It's real hard to put it back in, and it's real hard to tell a government entity where it's out, where its overreach ends. Yeah. 
a much better. Well, I mean, any reach now, is look, overreach, in my opinion. Now, obviously, well, I don't want him touching it at all. Well, now look, the 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 obvious you know counterpoint to this is like that means we have to get EA to do the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> but which until, is like the only way you get it to do that though is like you said, hit it hit it in the pocket. Hit it in the pocket. Yeah, that's like, it. That's like, the only thing that's going to change. I it. would focus on the big box retailers and try to convince them that like this is a bad thing for consumers it's a bad thing to be associated with in terms of their image you know in term you know if you're if you're selling kids basically you know gambling boxes uh you know use that terminology to kind of scare them into it you know it's use- kind of a the flip or the reverse of the whole gun thing because mm. the government refuses to get involved with guns and the, and the retailers, retailers have, stepped in. have yeah. become the responsible ones right. they're just like well we get to choose what we sell. Yeah, we kind of got. If we could kind of piggyback on it, be like, as long as you're doing the right thing. Why don't we talk about this thing called loot boxes? Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> Battlefront. Yeah, yeah no, seriously. Um, but, ser- but I mean, yeah. that would be the probably the, without legislation. That's probably the most effective way to convince Absolutely. a company like EA that, like, okay, you got to stop doing this. You got to come up with another way. I mean, the, the, obviously, the big difference. Yeah, come up with it, another way the to pad. The consequences are nowhere near as severe. Um, when you're talking about loot boxes in games versus right. weapons, um, it's like, oh, your son ran up a $200 credit card bill. Too bad. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. be a better parent, essentially. Right. I mean, that's which that's, is true. That's valid. Which is 100 percent true. Um, but if we be a better yeah, parent. But if you want to really like see this thing go away in a timely manner without government intervention, I think that it, you know, the ESRB doing this opens the doorway to that because now you have an official body sort of like labeling each one that has this and you, you have an easy way for a retailer to be like, that is not something we want on our shelves. Yeah, you're right. And you're that's exactly right. what the rating system is for. It's why the AO rating is never used for anything. Yeah. Um, no one will sell them. Because, because Walmart, Walmart won't carry won't it. Walmart will sell them, yeah. If you, can, if you can make that happen with loot boxes, now that the ESRB has agreed to kind of label them as such, that's how you win. Yeah. I like it. Matt Kyle coming up with the plan. Let's see if it happens. How do you do that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I am not a lobbyist, you yeah. know, but like, I, but that is, that is my, that would be my angle on it. Yeah. I think it's great. And if that doesn't work, then I guess maybe you talk about legislation. No, but, no. But I would prefer to never that. to no. have that That's, happen. That is the real slippery slope. That's a slippery slope that happens. Mm-hmm. Unlike people's guns being taken away, that could legitimately happen. Yeah. Without a doubt. All right, let's move on. We're well, going to talk next. Yeah, there's no amendment about no. the right to Mario. No, there's not. <laughs> it would be bad. Uh, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a crossing of the streams here a little bit. Mm. So I don't know if you heard about this. This story, I didn't but... hear about. I don't know this. So the company that organizes PAX is called like some weird name. It's not actually like Penny Arcade. It's like Ruby or Rosie or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a separate organizing. Yeah, Roxy company. or I can't yeah. remember what the na- actual name of it is. It bought. The entire future media suite of gaming websites. Didn't see that one coming. Eurogamer, US Gamer, like all that stuff that they own, they bought all of it. How did I not put together that US Gamer and Eurogamer are under the same umbrella until now? I don't know. I didn't. I never know. I never realized. Yeah, like that. when US Gamer first launched, like Eurogamer pushed the crap out of it. Right? I, I did not. I missed that. Yeah, they're owned by. Well, yeah, they're owned by the same parent company essentially. Right. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I, I just never paired those things together. Yeah. I don't think of Euro as a company, as a country. Right, yes, yeah. Well, I mean. it's not. It's more of like a, a conglomerate union. of countries, yeah. But, uh, so, you have the company that puts on packs all around the world, one of the biggest gaming conventions in the world, and it happens all over. It's not just Seattle now. It's in 
maybe 10 cities now? No, it's in four in the U.S. Uh, yeah, because there's Prime, Boston, South. Another one? Maybe there's only three. There's only three. Yeah. And there's Australia and London. Do they have a London one? There's supposed to be a London because one. Because the reason... Was, I thought there was a UK one coming. Maybe it hasn't happened yet. Well, see, here's, here's why the company bought these websites. is because they already do an event called EGX, which is like this huge fan expo in Europe. And so, obviously, the company that puts on PAX was like, hey, they're taking, like, our market away. Like, mm-hmm. they already have the destination that everybody goes to. How do we slide in and, like, do it? Well, let's just buy them. And chances are... The Disney method. Yeah, pretty much. And chances are, I mean, based upon some things, some discussions I've had over the last couple of years with people who have kind of approached me about Sifted, um, you can buy gaming websites real cheap (laughs) like real cheap like cheaper than you ever fathomed and i'm not talking about like a site like sifted that's been around a couple years i'm talking about sites that have been around for like 15 years and have been purchased recently for a pittance and i don't know i've not looked at uh, Eurogamer's com score to see how big it is into buying polygon yeah fix that shit you could probably you'd have to pay a good bit for polygon (laughs) but a lot of the other guys who are kind of like not GameSpot, ign or polygon like all those other sites man you can buy it for pretty cheap on the stand on the edge of a knife basically like you could give me a number and i guarantee it's way lower than what you think it is it's that i mean that's the value of kind of websites at this point unless you're doing something like completely disruptive and so if you're that company you look at it like well I'm just throwing this number out there. U.S. Gamer, I'm sure they could bought for, like, nothing. Its traffic is not great. Eurogamer's pretty big. But let's just say, just for the sake of argument, that they could buy all of that for $2 million, all those websites. So you think about it. You buy all those. You get EGX. Don't you think you could make $2 million from one year at EGX? Maybe I'm, I don't know about cost and, and revenue from like a, a convention. Well, like think that. of it this way: if this company got so big just by throwing packs, you would think that per packs they make at least two million dollars. Yeah, at least. So smart deal from them. But where it starts to get a little dicey is you have this event. It's a fan event, fan event, mm-hmm. but. There's a lot of press that comes in there and covers the show, and ultimately that press promotes the show and makes fans want to go to it, and they're kind of a marketing arm on their own. But there's coverage that happens at these things. So what happens if this new owner of PAX and EGX all of a sudden is just like, you know what, the only people who can come and cover this stuff is our team, Mm. our Eurogamer folks, our US Gamer folks. And that's where it starts to get a little dicey. I mean, imagine if... That seems like it would be really stupid. Yeah, like short-sighted maybe? Like limiting, limiting the ability of, of people to talk about your, your convention seems counterproductive. Does it, though? Yeah. I mean, if, what if E3 signed some crazy deal with IGN and was like... I mean, it kind of does this anyway. It, it gives exclusive rights for broadcast. G4 had the exclusive mm-hmm. broadcast rights for E3 for a long time. Um, it You have to pay separate fees to 
broadcast anything, even if it's just web streaming from the floor, uh, in addition to paying for, obviously, the hookups for mm-hmm. broadband and all that kind of stuff, you also have to pay a separate fee to broadcast from the floor. There's all this other union stuff that gets tied into it. But imagine if E3 was like, you give us enough money, IGN, you get the exclusive on covering E3, essentially. Does it really hurt E3 all that much? Um, well, E3 is a different beast because it's an industry expo, uh, and it's not its not its function, really. Um, although maybe that function will change as they continue to let the public in. Right. Because um, it's moving towards I, I think it, I think it does would do more harm than good in the sense that uh, game media is very personality-driven at this point. And uh, I don't think you're going to casual anyone into reading U.S. Gamer if they don't already care. Um, and it's going to be more beneficial to this thing you're trying to build and what people want to go to and want to buy tickets to and want to travel to come to and want to, you know, because that's the thing you want when you're, you're organizing something like PAX or EGX. You, want to, you don't just want it to be a successful show. You want it to be so successful as a show and as a destination that people come and enhance the economy of the surrounding area so that the city sees you as a valuable commodity and you can get better deals and better everything and like you become a functioning element of the economy of the city this takes place in every year and it makes everything easier and more beneficial to everyone concerned so limiting the coverage of something to what is essentially a smaller outlet as opposed to kind of letting everyone talk about it and talk and you know these personalities like like when you really get down to like what's going to convince someone to kind of you know go travel to Europe and go to EGX more like some random person they never heard of on Eurogamer talking about this or like one of the like Easy Allies guys having a great time there and coming back and reporting about it like I think that's a more valuable feedback I mean unless until you get big enough that you can't be ignored but see here's the thing like, to think about though so I don't I don't think that's a wise tactic is to try to try to construct because also because all you're going to do is freak out all the same people who are in the game industry and are fans of games that call everything censorship. Right. Like, that's all you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're there's, there's no PR win there. Here's the thing, though. With the way the internet works now, everything, everything comes in through side doors and back doors through social media. Does it, really ma- does it really hurt the show's promotion to just have one outlet that's doing the official coverage from it? I think so. You think it still does? Because look, those, yeah. those influencers can still go, and they can walk around with their GoPros and say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm here at EGX and blah, blah, blah. That, that doesn't change. But the you official get... coverage, any official interviews done with cameras and lights and mm-hmm. stick mics, all that stuff is handled by one outlet. And then you have incentive to do that because you're building that brand at US Gamer. So say US Gamer is worth a million dollars right now or whatever. That's what they bought it for. If you start... Only allowing U.S. Gamer to... And look, this is all hypothetical. I'm not saying this is going to happen. Don't go tweet at someone from U.S. Gamer and say Shane's blah, blah, blah. This is just an example of why stuff like this it's could be... It's definitely like, not going to happen. Right, it's not going to happen. But this is an example of where it gets a little sticky when you have someone buying a journalistic outlet like this. So U.S. Gamer's worth a million dollars right now. And again, I'm making that up. They could be worth a hundred million. I, I don't know. But let's say it's worth a million. Well, if you suddenly give them the keys to the car and they're the ones driving the coverage at all these shows, suddenly the value of US Gamer starts going up. And believe me, the value of IGN is a lot higher than a million dollars. So there is value. And in fact, IGN's probably worth a billion, maybe? It's up there. I mean, so you start thinking about being able to build a brand from a million up to something like that, it is worthwhile to... But not with this audience, because no one's going to react well to that. 
Like, yeah. all you're going to do is piss people off if you do it that You're going to piss off the other websites. Yeah, oh, the websites, but you're, and they're going to tell their... Which a lot of people love to hate anyway. Right, but they're going to tell the region, you know, gamers don't react well to being told they can't do something and be part of something. Like, but if, they're like, not the ones being told they can't they do it. They aren't, but they're not... It's the sites who a lot of the gamers hate anyway. That's not true. That's, that's, I don't it's, know. It's, it's not a PR win in any scenario to do that. They would never do that. It's a ridiculous idea. Like I don't know. Like, could they do it? Sure. Would they do it? No. It's stupid. Like, why would you? Why would you open yourself up to that kind of like authoritarian criticism by saying like, because oh, you paid for it. But it doesn't. It's, it's strategic. But it's just going to be make you worth less. It doesn't make you. Any, no one would want to attend that. Like that. Why would they not want to attend it? Just because. Because they don't want to support that. It. They don't want to support this. What they would see is like censoring all the other outlets or censoring. You're using it wrong, but that's what people would say. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's right or wrong. If that many people say it over and over and over again, it becomes the, the thing people believe. Like, as we should be well aware at this yeah. point. Like, the, 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 the main game, hardcore gaming audience does not react well to the idea that some corporate entity is saying, like, you can do this, but you can't do this. Like, they don't like that. And I think that when somebody tells them that, they, it really pisses them off. No, they, think... they, wouldn't, they don't like it in any form. I, I don't know about that, but I, don't, well, unless, I just thought it was Unless there's a whole bunch of people that really freaking hate Eurogamer or, or, or US... Or like. But it's not that they hate Eurogamer or US Gamer. Right. It's that they just don't care whether IGN or Polygon or those places get access. I don't, I don't think they care about the individual outlet, but they do care about some corp, faceless corporate thing they've never heard of saying like, oh, only these guys get to do this. Like, that would be a problem. That would, People would not like that. That would be a Twitter storm, for sure. You think it'd be big though? I don't think it would. It'd be, be big enough to freak out that company that bought Eurogamer and US Gamer and and make them back off of it. Definitely. Huh. It's like because because remember like their bread and butter is the normal person, the the gamer person who wants to come do something like this and I think you're going to run into people that are like I don't feel comfortable giving you my money if you're going to like dictate who gets to cover this thing. Like that's, I just that's, don't think they care. I don't think, I think they're just on, go I don't, there to have fun. I don't think you're on, I don't think you know how people behave about this on Twitter. I, I think you're completely off base on this. You don't see how people react to this kind of thing. It would that would be a very very poor PR choice to do that. Like I, there's no win there. It doesn't get, gain you anything. So you're totally okay with the company buying news outlets. Okay. I'm, I'm, how would you feel if you were one of the people working at US Gamer or Eurogamer right now? I've been. Would you oh, even care? I've worked for news outlets. Have been owned by corporate monsters my whole life. Like it doesn't usually affect anything. Yeah, but this is a little bit of a conflict of interest, though. This isn't like Viacom only if you, owning only game if you give a shit about EGX. Like, what's going to happen at EGX? Well, if you care like, about PAX, I mean, PAX. I mean, yeah, but like, are they going to? Presumably, they are successful because they run PAX a certain way. Right. And I don't recall any kind of conflict over who gets to cover PAX before, and presumably they wanted EGX because they like how that's run and it's similar to what PAX is, and this is just sort of a way to get to it because now they own the, com the, the company that established that. I don't get the impression they want to establish some kind of weird media monopoly over the coverage of these things. They just want to have EGX because it's easier to sort of move in and buy that than it is to establish your own PAX in Europe and sort of build that from the ground up again. It's like the Disney thing where it's like, did they buy Marvel because they wanted to like reincorporate Spider-Man into the Mickey Mouse world? No, they bought it because they wanted someone in the comic space and they weren't doing it very well, so they found the people doing it the best and bought them. Like you, you don't you don't change the MO when you bought the thing because it was doing what you liked it doing. Like, in some ways like is it a possibility? Absolutely, but it's also a possibility that Disney could shut down Marvel Studios tomorrow 
like liquidate everything, make Spider-Man and the Avengers like pals with Donald Duck on Mickey, you know, the Mouse Mouse House or whatever the hell that thing is called. But it's like, are they going to do that? No, like nobody would be interested in that. Nobody would like that, and it would be worse than what they've already got. Like I just don't see, you know, a move to create some kind of weird media monopoly over the Pax brand as a thing anyone would want to do. I, I just think it's a unique situation because we've never seen publications in control of events like this. Like you've seen IGN try to, I think IGN tried to do kind of its own E3-ish yeah. thing at one point. I think a, I think a few public like, like outlets tried to do that in the wake of PAX. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, oh, maybe we could have our own thing. It's like, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's in all fact, about I think geography that is, and timing. In, in and, fact, I think that is a little more difficult in terms of conflict. It's like, okay, IGN's having like a, a convention. Does GameSpot get to cover that? But you I mean, know, like, that's what's happening now because... This company owns Eurogamer and US Gamer. Yeah, well, what's happening with EGX? Do other companies get... I mean, they're already doing it. Yeah, but do other outlets get to cover EGX? I think so. It's not like a big thing, though. It's like... I mean, Eurogamer has the same power. They say only we get to cover our convention, but they don't because they know that would be terrible. Yeah. It's interesting, though. I wonder if this will help Eurogamer or US Gamer. I don't don't know enough about about this company that bought them to know whether this is... I mean, well, I mean, you know that they're not a content company, right? And I mean, that's important. Their organization. I mean, clearly they just went for this to buy to get this convention. I mean, right. that's what they wanted. Right. Um, presumably, they would just sort of let US Gamer and Eurogamer continue doing their thing as they've been doing their thing. Or, um, I mean, a lot of times when you're purchased, they start looking at finances and. Oh the yeah. Like. Well, I mean, is there a better than average possibility that a year from now Eurogamer or you I mean Eurogamer's doing Eurogamer's well. fine I think. US yeah. Gamer you know maybe gets shut down or you know gets a, a couple of ultimatums or something sure it's yeah, possible definitely but um you know for now it seems like they were just after this convention maybe US Gamer gets their own convention now. <laughs> that's <laughs> so. possible Good luck with that one. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we got a we got a blind spot up kind of in the Missoula, Montana area. <laughs> maybe we could do like maybe we could do like U.S. Gamer X North. I mean, that's really the only Pax territory North. that's left is like the whole like Michigan, Wisconsin. Yeah, like, kind of Great Lakes, the mid northern Midwest. Yeah, yeah, that's our spot. That's 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 all right. Uh, Detroit, Pax Detroit. Here we go. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last topic of this week's episode, Kirby Star Allies. Uh, this is another game that had a demo that came out recently that I had to go to my European account to actually download the demo. I'm not mm. sure if they've released it in the U.S. or not, but uh, I went to download it yesterday. It was only available in Europe. Um, it is a two-level demo of the game. Um, overall, you play it. It takes about 30 minutes to play through both of the levels. Uh, that's pretty long it, yeah for a Kirby it's, game. it's actually a, a pretty lengthy uh demo i was pretty impressed with it um in fact matt i hate to say it but i was kind of impressed with the game period hmm. i look i have had zero anticipation for this game like none um i mean i would even go so far to say as we've been maybe a little mean to it on the show yeah um, well, Kirby, it's like part of the i think part of the hype for nintendo stuff comes from when they bring back something that like people have, have missed for a long time. No one misses Kirby, because Kirby's always here. I, I I used to think that, but after I... I mean, that robot game was good, too, the, the yeah. 3DS one. Right. But now that I've played this, I'm kind of excited for it. <laughs> um, it's not just a typical Kirby, suck up an enemy, get his powers. I mean, it has that. That's the baseline part of the game. 
But what I never realized is the whole Star Allies thing is really the whole design of the game. So you see what just happened right there. So you get these little hearts. You can see friend hearts. And when you come across any enemies in the game, you can toss the heart and then you add that enemy to your team. It's not mm -hmm. that you just have their abilities temporarily, which you can still do. You can still swallow the enemy and then hold down and you can take over their powers and use their powers. But you can also add the enemies to your squad that fight alongside you as a cooperative partner. And you can have up to three on your team at a time. Um, once someone, once a character joins your team, you can hold up on the analog stick and then you actually, Kirby will take over a power from, from that enemy permanently. Um, and then you and then you can uh, adjust your team. So if you get to where you have four a full four character party and you want to add somebody else, if you go to Adam, it'll ask you which one do you want to remove. And a big part of the game is looking at the levels um, and trying to figure out elementally, if that's the mm -hmm. correct word to use, what is the best team composition for you to have. So there's like this stage obviously is a woodland stage. It really doesn't matter. Like any attacks work. But one of the later stages there's a. Uh, there's a lot of fire in it. And so you come across this character that gives you water, basically water attacks. So you want to make sure that Kirby gets that because then you have more control over the attacks that are most effective against the enemies in that level. But it's like you're building a team. It's like a team composition. Like some, one enemy will just be like blunt force attacks. One will have like a, an ice attack. One will have a fire attack. And then maybe you load up Kirby with like electricity or a ground element like you can turn kirby into like a brick basically that can smash enemies or smash through uh platforms um so there's a lot of strategies and see there i'm adding that guy to my team right there and he immediately just takes over and starts uh starts fighting for you so there's a lot more strategy in this game than i ever dreamed to be honest with you um there's a lot of uh team parts of the, of the level where the two the team splits up into pairs of two and then the one half of the team goes up and flips switches while the other half does does it on the bottom or the top or whatever. Um, I've had a blast with this. Again, I only played it for about 40 minutes and I had played it very sparingly at, uh, at conventions before this. But the, you definitely feel like a sense of power from your team. Um, and a lot of the times you don't even have to do anything. I mean, maybe that's, the, that's not good. But like the first boss fight, the first time I played it, like for some reason I had lost my attack before we started fighting the boss and I had like nothing as Kirby and my team just beat the boss. I literally didn't have to like do anything. My team just took care of it. Um, but you can see here like this bomb explodes and like later on you get to some of the stuff and like the, all the levels get completely altered by those bombs. Um, I don't know. I'm having, I had a ton of fun with it, man. I, uh, I know it's, Kind much, of flying under the radar. How much is it? I guess is my main question. Because like that's the thing with these Kirby look. games is they tend to be full price, and I can never bring myself to buy them for full price. And then Nintendo never drops the price, and I never play them. Well, when I first started playing it, I was like, you know what? They should probably sell this game for forty bucks. And then the more I played it, I was like, oh no, this is definitely worth worth more than a, a discounted price. Let's see what GameStop says. GameStop's awful website from like 1991. <laughs> 60 bucks. Mm. Yeah, it's a full price game. But after I played it, man, I didn't really feel like it's a discounted game. It's it's not crazy cinematic, but then neither was Mario or Zelda either. I think a big concern will be how long is it? So I watched, mm. after I played this, I was like, wow, like I played two levels and I can't believe how much stuff I experienced in that amount of time. 
I went and started watching some trailers, and man, it, it appears that it eventually gets really freaking deep. Like, just some of the, the attacks. You can chain attacks together uh, with your teammates. There's a lot of strategy involved with your allies. Um, yeah, I don't know. I am pleasantly surprised by this game. I don't know when it comes out, though. I think it's pretty soon. Let me take a peek. March 16th. So just a couple weeks away. Not even, Yeah, about two weeks away. Um, but I, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about this because the demo, I think it'll be open in the, or available in the U.S. here in the next couple days if it's not available already. But I feel like we've been pretty mean to this game and just kind of blew it off. <laughs> and uh, now that I've played it, I think, I think, at least personally, I feel like I was wrong for doing that. I think it's actually a good game. At least what i play so far has been is a good game and it's a lot of fun. And it is different. And I know I've said a lot of times that I'm completely over side-scrolling platformers because they don't do anything new. This game does feel like something new and like it has some new concepts. Um, the CPU seems to be smart. Um, the enemies know whenever their attacks are advantageous against enemies. And will just that will be the character that jumps in to kind of land the first blow or attack the enemy. Um, the boss fights so far were really easy and mm. really simple. So this demo, this is the easy level. And then after this, there's what's supposed to be like a hard level. And I didn't find it that much more challenging, to be perfectly honest with you. But the boss fights in both of them were just like a total pushover. Um, and obviously the game's probably already in production, so um, there, uh, there's very little chance that they'll tune it before release. But obviously patches can always handle that as well. But you can see the elemental stuff is a big deal. So right now I'm Ice Kirby. And if I weren't Ice Kirby, I would not be able to get through those flames to get over. There's another part later on in the game where there's a, a big bomb and then a fuse that runs underneath a waterfall. And then you have to have one of your characters needs to be Umbrella Kirby or whatever. And he, he will go over and raise the umbrella underneath the waterfall so that the water's not hitting the fuse to the bomb. And then one of your fire guys lights the fuse on the bomb. And then the fuse lights and blows up the bomb and then off you go. Um, Lots of, uh, as you can see right there, they uh, there's there's lots of positive reinforcement yeah, in this I was game. Say, it's... <laughs> it's like anytime you do something, it's just a shower of like jewels and gems and extra men and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I was wrong about this game. I mean, I I wouldn't say I trashed it or anything. I just kind of blew it off like it was ins insignificant. Yeah, it was just it's you know another Kirby game, another Yoshi game, like it's you know, another Donkey Kong game. It's like. The same stuff we we haven't had time to get, you know, we haven't had time to miss it. I haven't, but I haven't enjoyed a Kirby game in forever, Matt. Like, even playing it for, like, an hour. Like, I just, I play every, all these Kirby games, I'm like, okay, this is the same thing. I get it. I haven't it. played enough of the recent ones to really know one way or the other, but I did like the robot one. Was that was a Kirby the, Robo... Robo whatever the... was a weird name. The 3DS one Here you can see where the team split up. So you can see there's two guys below and there's two guys above. Um, and you're just basically like fighting and getting to a switch that you flip and see that lifts up and then I can go underneath. And so is there a multiplayer to this? I, I don't believe so. No? I think it's all CPU driven. Huh. Um, that's a good question. Maybe somebody in chat it says knows. P1. I would imagine it wouldn't say P1 unless there's no, a P2. No, you're right. Yeah, I noticed that too, actually. I was wondering if it is a cooperative game that four people can play. Actually, I think there is because when they show the controllers... They show them turn to the side. Mm, mm -hmm. Also, you only use like two or three buttons in this game. The control scheme is really uh, intuitive right. and easy to get used to. So yeah, I'm guessing you can play this cooperatively uh, with up to three friends. 
which will make it even more fun if everybody has their own attacks and everything. So then it's a tuning problem. You know, you, uh, do they crank things up when you're playing with humans, or is it still the same difficulty as you get if you're playing with uh, CPU assist? Yeah, I mean, it's Kirby. Yeah. So it's it's going to be easy. Yeah, I mean, it, that is one thing I would say. The game's not very challenging. Even the hard level wasn't... I, I was able to go right through it my first try without much of a hassle. But I think a big part of it, too, is finding all the secrets, because after as you venture through each level you collect puzzle pieces and then you know if you the harder ones to find obviously when you at the at the end of each stage all the puzzle pieces that you've collected go towards completing puzzles it's like the old 3ds thing mm -hmm. um and so let's see i just got a puzzle piece there and if you get the more rare puzzle pieces those will fill in multiple pieces of the puzzle instead of just one at a time um, so there is kind of that collection element to it as well. But I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it, man. I really did. Um, I'm wondering if, and I'm now that we've kind of figured out that it is kind of a cooperative game, I'm wondering if it's going to be online co-op, which probably, probably not. not. <laughs> and if it is, you know you're not going to be able to chat. So, <laughs> But yeah, so Kirby Star Allies comes out in a couple weeks. Um, I've not got any review code from Nintendo for that. So. Yeah, it's like, so, I mean, I guess I would try it if it wasn't 60 bucks. Yeah. What would you pay for that game? 30. That's it, huh? 30 like bucks. 20 to 30. Like, I'd, it's a Kirby game. I'm going to march through it, and it'll be charming and, and pretty, and and he'll go, hi, and it'll be fun. And it'll, <laughs> um, yeah, but it's like 60 bucks for that? I don't know, man. I, I've been... I've been not buying Kirby games for full price since, since the 60, N64 one, yeah. and like, and it always happens. I'm like, oh, I'll get it when it's cheaper, and it's never cheaper. Oh, it's out of print. Now it's two hundred dollars. It's like, yeah, yeah. And I never play them. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe you should buy this one at sixty before it goes up to two hundred bucks. There's got to be something better to play than that. <laughs> I, mean, I just don't. Right now, I don't think so, man. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, right I'm just now. I keep plugging away. Yak is a six. Yeah. Point. I had a lot of fun playing my that own game. version of Kirby. But it really comes down to it. I've never been a fan of Kirby either. But the versatility in this game, like, I just... You know, in addition to the base of him being able to inhale whatever mm -hmm. and then use those abilities. This is what I was talking about earlier with the waterfall. Mm -hmm. Where you have to use, like, uh, all the different characters and their attributes. So, see, the waterfall is over the fuse. Put up the umbrella. Chumbrella. Sorry, my bad. And then it stops the water and then you light the fuse. The other... The fire dude lights the fuse. And then... It'll make it past the waterfall over to the dynamite, and it explodes. But there's all kinds of little stuff like this, where you have to work together as a team, and you have to make sure you have the right team composition. And um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's really clever, really smart, fun, um, and obviously something good for kids of all ages. Also, I don't know if you noticed or not, but that little umbrella was affecting that waterfall right there. There's lots of little nice details. So watch when the guy with the umbrella unless he ditched it see it mm -hmm. <laughs> so i don't know i mean you, i can tell it's got the nintendo touch in this game like you can see that there's a attention to details been paid to it and all these little things that like you don't even notice like i played it like twice i played it through once to make sure i got good enough at it before i captured it, and then i played it again and uh the first time i was just like going through the game i was like whoa this is crazy and then the second time i started picking up on a lot of the little touches that nintendo tends to put in its game so I don't know. I'm pretty excited for it now. I wasn't before at all before, and I think that's the whole idea of a demo, right? Is to mm. get someone to try it, and maybe uh, they give it a whirl when they is just it think not here would... yet. What did you say? It's not, it's not in the U.S. store yet. 
I don't know. Demo? I don't know. I got it off uh, the year. I'll try the demo. I'll see what I think. It's so easy. I don't know if you've done it or not. Uh, hooked up separate accounts on your Switch. No. It is so easy, dude. You just go to Nintendo's registration site, and you don't even have to, like, fake anything. Like, when you go on PlayStation and create, like, a Japanese or a European account, you have to actually put in, like, a legitimate address mm. from those territories with a zip code and everything. Not at Nintendo's, dude. You literally just go sign up with a different email address from the one that you use to sign up for your main account. Um, and then you just put the territory that you're from. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to put any zip codes. You just do it, register, and then when you go uh, on your on your Switch, you just log in using that account, and you can go to the eShop for that territory, just mm. like that. So I have an account for U.S., obviously, Japan, Australia, and Europe, all on my Switch. It literally takes like two minutes to do it. So pro tip, if it's not on the Switch eShop in the U.S., just go to Europe, and you can literally get it set up in like five minutes. <laughs> go to Europe. Go to, just go to Europe. It's a portable system. Just go to Europe. <laughs> uh, all right. So it's time for our trailer of the week this week. I know some people were suggesting that uh, we would run the trailer for the brand new Overwatch character as our trailer of the week. But that is not the case because we did not get the full-on cinematic tour de force mm. one. All we got was like the animated kind of the whatever. Real... People seem to really like the character, though. Yeah. Has your girl played with the character yet? I don't know. You don't she know? She hasn't mentioned her. She's... Yeah. Not a, not I think a, it's a tank healer. Yeah, she's a she's a tank. Yeah, I don't know much about it. I, I like the, I like the visual Brigitte. design. She's a what? Tiorborn's son, daughter, a daughter, yeah, daughter. yeah, yes. son. <laughs> yeah. So we're not running that, by the way. Uh, instead, we chose what I thought personally was the best trailer of the week, and it's for. Man, it seems like XCOM is just getting ripped off left and right, dude. Like we just saw this game, which you know it's. The successor to FTL or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, that style of game just seems to be one of the more prevalent genres lately. And this is another one. And if you watch this trailer, you would never guess that that's the type of game it's for. Uh, it's for a game called Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden. Um, and it sure is... sure is a lot of words. Yeah. It's, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Howard the Duck. Hmm. Remember that weird movie? I remember Howard the Duck. <laughs> well, there's a duck. So this whole thing takes place, I think it's like post-apocalyptic, post-nuclear, whatever, uh, where animals are like humans. Right. And uh, everything's kind of mutated. But it, this so game... So it's like the spectacular spider ham. Yes. <laughs> where everything is an animal. Yeah. Yeah, there actually are humanoids in this too, though, but they've also been mutated. But I won't ruin anything. But this is a great trailer. Let's roll it.
a guess that that was for yeah. like a turn-based strategy game. Beyond Good and XCOM. I guess. Yeah, it looks like Beyond Good and Evil too. Like the reworked Beyond Good and Evil too. What's the word for that when animals look like people? Anthropomorphic. That's it. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, we have questions in the chat already. As always, this is the time where you guys can ask us questions. And there's a bunch in here. Let's get to them. Uh, here we go. Uh, w. Matthew, what's your most and least favorite controllers? For me, Xbox 360, Xbox One. Um, less is any of the PlayStation controllers. Hmm. I don't know what that means. I hate the sticks in replacement. So I guess he's saying he doesn't like the sticks on uh, PlayStation. He oh. likes Xbox. What's your favorite and least favorite, Matt? Uh, my favorite controller is probably the Japanese Saturn controller. Okay. Um, which has one of the best D-pads ever. Really good fighting game pad. Least favorite, probably DualShock 1 and 2. Like, any, any, any DualShock before when they were still doing the mushroom-shaped yeah. sticks. Right. Uh, like the, 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 yeah, they were bad. The four, DualShock 4 is the concave, which like, my finger can rest in, but like, constantly slipping over off the domes of the mushroom sticks. Yep. Uh, so yeah, the DualShocks, I never liked them until this generation, really. My least favorite, I'll start with, is the Dreamcast controller. Um, too close together, the hands are too close together, there's no, uh, there aren't prongs on it. Um, so when you try to wrap your hands around it, your fingers just hit the underneath of the controller. I just never found it comfortable. I liked the idea of the VMU being put in there, I think that was an ingenious idea. But as far as just playing games with that controller, I hated it. My favorite controller... Um, of all time is probably the Xbox 360 controller. Uh, I just think it's perfect for a wide genre of games. Um, very comfortable. To me, it just kind of became the standard video game controller. Um, I think it's ergonomic. It feels great. The weight is nice. I do think that they screwed it up a little bit with the Xbox One. Um, mm -hmm. I hate the D-pad on the Xbox One. The last D-pad on the Xbox 360 was great. The spinny silver D-pad. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a great controller. Yep, it was just I just think that they hit it like, and they just tried to. And I don't have an Elite controller. So the Elite's really good. I'm, I the Elite be. is. I know my stock Xbox One controller. I don't like as much no, a, as. Although I will also say I've been using the uh, the Xbox One X controller that came with it. That's a step up is from, it? The, from the standard Xbox One controller okay. as well. It's not. I an hate elite. the D pad on the Xbox One controller. Hate it. It's it's better it's clicky, on the X. Clicky, clicky, clicky. I don't like that. Eh, it's a little clicky, I guess, but it works. Yeah. Um, but the Elite is just a whole different. I mean, it better be. It's 150 bucks, but it's yeah. it, the Elite is a amazing. Maybe someday. Um, I also want to give a special toss-out to the most ergonomic controller, the controller that just felt the best in my hands, the GameCube controller. It just felt like it just yeah. melted in my hands. doesn't look like it. No, but, but it, when you it hold does. it, it feels so good. Unfortunately, there's other problems with that controller, um, like the C-Stick, which right. is just so dumb. But it feels nice. I still have my Wavebird that I won so at E3. I. Yeah. That uh, still works. Yeah, all Nintendo stuff always works. Um, I also liked the idea of the triggers on the GameCube, how they yeah. had that like click once you went all the way in. Yeah, the only problem with that is that it makes emulating or forward compatibility, like backwards compatibility on GameCube yeah. stuff, very difficult because you can't. It absolutely does. You can't like rec recreate that. Yep. Yeah, with but, a, you can't recreate that with a pro controller, basically. But man, that controller felt so good. Yep. It was just not very functional. And the bean shaped buttons, like. Because you're supposed to be able to 
differentiate between them with your finger, but it's like... I've it never works. Had, it works, but I've also never had a problem with that, yeah, really. No. <laughs> it's, it's, you're, you're, it's a solution in search of a problem. One it's thing great. I liked about the way the buttons were laid out on the GameCube controller, though, was it had the big A button in the middle, which a lot of people called the win button. Mm. But the bean-shaped buttons were concave like this. So they sloped down into the A button. So any mm -hmm. game where you had to hold one button and use the other one, like you could literally just roll your thumb and hit them both at once, and I really liked that. It didn't feel like your thumb was going to slip off because it had that concave to go up against. Mm -hmm. I can see what they were going for with a lot of that controller, but they made a it lot of It wasn't perfect, but it was a good controller. Yeah, better than people give it credit for, I think, anyway. Uh, let's see. Matt, welcome back from Ian Esquire. Uh, the Legacy, which video game movie do you think will be better, critically and commercially, Tomb Raider or Rampage? <laughs> uh, <laughs> commercially, it's com going to be... Commercially, probably Rampage. You think? Because The Rock's yeah. in it? Yeah. Is he just movie gold now? I mean, if you got no, Ju but to see Jumanji. Jumanji, well, look, <laughs> the, the Rock is wearing a beige shirt in a jungle in, like, five of his last six movies. Like, you, there was someone on That's Twitter. That's his thing. Someone on Twitter put a bunch of uh, screenshots of this. Like, these are all separate movies, and it's all an identical shot of him in almost the same shirt in almost the same jungle. And I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea which movie That's any of these funny. are from. <laughs> um, the, man is, the man has very quietly and carefully introduced us to the the Dwayne Johnson jung cinematic jungle verse yeah and we never realized it until now <laughs> that, that's that's how you build a cinematic universe but anyway um, I think rampage is, is gonna have the, it's gonna have the marketing it's gonna have the the international sort of like spectacle behind it it's a big special effects bullshit thing I think it's just gonna probably make more money uh, I would guess that Tomb Raider will probably be a better movie I think yeah um, I, I think Tomb Raider still might do better than Rampage. I don't know. Because Rampage it's, just looks like a god-awful movie. So did Jumanji. Yeah. And it, like, tore up the box office. Yeah, don't I don't never don't, understand that one. <laughs> don't underestimate The Rock. The Rock has some, he is inter, like some a international beast, appeal. It's yeah. crazy. It'll be a bit, Rampage will be a big hit in China. I mean, um, the Tomb Raider films did well with Angelina Jolie. Yeah, it's a different market now, though. Yeah. Like, and also, most people don't even know that Rampage is based on a video game. No, you're so, right. You're right. It just looks like The Rock running around with monsters. Yeah. And, like, it'll probably be... I, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it'll be it'll it'll have a bigger audience just by default because it's got spectacle and buildings falling over. I mean that's just what The Rock does. I mean he's all, he's got another he's got skyscraper. Somehow skyscraper because skyscraper's coming out, uh, Rampage will by default not be The Rock's most forgettable movie of 2018. <laughs> I'll say this though I think Tomb Raider's coming out at a good time after Wonder Woman and, the, and like the whole empowering women thing and yeah. I if mean, you're going to find a good time to release Tomb Raider, this is it. It's possible. I just, I just don't think Tomb Raider's making a great impression. Well, they're not marketing it at all. I've seen a bunch of trailers uh, for it in, in theaters. But no, like, we have. I don't oh, go to several the movies, times. so... Uh, going back, like, four or five months. I mean, they've been, they've been running trailers for that for a while. Um, but I don't, it, I don't think it's... Uh, to borrow a term uh, mostly associated with The Rock, I don't believe it's electrifying the, uh, the audience in sports entertainment quite the same way. Uh, it's just, it's, Tomb Raider doesn't seem to have a pop to it. No, I agree with that. The trailers haven't done anything for me. I mean, I'm a, I'm actually a big fan of the rebooted Tomb Raider and, and that version of Lara Croft. And I, me I, too, yeah. I, I think they picked a good, uh, a good actress for it. It's like, it's, See, I don't think they did. She looks fine for me. You know, it looks more or less like, like, I almost said more or less like Tomb Raider. <laughs> <laughs> looks more or less like Lara. Um, 
you know, it's recognizable to me, which is more than I can say for a lot of video game movies, including Rampage. Like, I'm not I, buying that she's tough. Well, she's not supposed to be tough yet. Oh, I guess you're right. This is like the origin. This is the origin, like the right. first the first reboot game. That's right. Um, so, we'll, I mean, we'll see. Uh, it is written by uh, the, the woman who's writing uh, Captain Marvel. So, uh, clearly, uh, Marvel Studios sees something in her in her work. So, maybe it'll be a good script. I don't know. How did Jumanji review? Eh. I don't remember. Not, it didn't get it's totally fine. murdered? I don't think so. It did okay? It, it did, like, middling. middling I okay. Think. I, don't think, I think Rampage is going to get completely slaughtered. I would not be surprised, but that doesn't always mean anything. If, if critical... I mean, people go on about, oh, the critics pan, like, DC movies so the people don't see it. If critics panning something stops something from being a hit, we wouldn't be on Transformers 5. No, you're right. Like, <laughs> you're absolutely right. It, it doesn't yeah. matter. The, the audiences will go see what the audience wants to go see. And maybe audiences want to see a, a giant ape, ape smash stuff in the giant list. <laughs> I don't. I mean, that mo- that trailer looked really dumb. To it's me. so dumb. But at the same time, I'm like, so did Jumanji. So did Jumanji. Also, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'm gonna see it in the theater. But would I stop on a page? In, you know, go clicking through the cable bot? Maybe. Yeah, yeah I might leave it on yeah. to see to see what the Rock does this time. I think, in my opinion, I think Tomb Raider and Rampage will end up doing about the same at the box office. I think Tomb Raider will review way higher. I would think Tomb Raider would review higher, uh, even if it's not going to review great. Yeah. Um, Ramp- I, f- I think I've, Rampage will get like a two, and Tomb Raider will get like a five. I feel Rampage will get. Um, I feel Rampage will probably make more money. In what America, studio is uh, is Rampage? I don't remember. Does it matter? <laughs> I mean, it depends on how much money they're going to spend on marketing it. It's one of the bigger. I mean, I don't remember who's doing that. Okay. I don't. It's 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 it just. It, I mean, that movie is just generic action film starring The Rock. But you just can't underestimate The Rock. That's true. That should be his new tagline: "Never underestimate The Rock." I think that'll be his 2020 presidential election slogan. <laughs> hey, t- it could happen. The most electrifying man in political entertainment. That's <laughs> uh, next up from Vox ninety one. Think there's ever a chance that contents of loot boxes would ever be sold as individual microtransactions, but at a slightly higher premium? And I'm sorry, I probably drive you guys crazy because I always highlight stuff when I'm reading it. Um, alongside cheaper loot boxes, so at least there's some choice between either paying an extra premium for DLC or taking a chance on possibly getting it with buying a loot box. I mean, there are some games I think that do that already. Um, certainly, like the MMO stuff. Like you can, you know, a lot of the MMOs that do like kind of randomized stuff. You can either pay for like a, you know, three hundred point loot box, or you can spend twelve hundred points to just get the thing you want. Right. I definitely prefer that. Um, like the Overwatch thing, even early on, I was like, I'd rather just be able to spend either money or in-game gold and just get the outfit I want, and not have to go through the freaking you know, the, the friggin' trading card pack thing over and over again and just, like, get the same voice line 14 times when all I want is the damn witch outfit. I mean, you know? they do that with League of Legends, too. Um, you can either pi- yeah. pay for Riot points, although some things you could only pay for with Riot points. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, most of the stuff you can use in-game gold you have to play a lot to get, or you can just yeah. pay a dollar to I Riot. I mean, I'm, I am much more... I don't know, comfortable or, or happy when, if you're going to charge me real money for something, if I get the thing I know I want, as opposed to having to, you know, spin a roulette wheel for it. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I, and, like if, and if you want to do the loot box thing, for, I think that's a fine model if you want, but I've, I'd rather just be able to pay a few bucks extra and get the thing I want, rather than spend what is going to be more money than that trying to get the randomized thing out of the box. Yeah. Uh, I could see that becoming more of a... 
a standard going forward. Although I wonder, once you put an actual retail price on what the thing is worth, does that give it a monetary value inside the loot box and does that make it easier to qualify the loot box as a gambling tool right like that's the i don't yes, know about the legality of that yeah. is like but but once you put an actual price on the things in the loot boxes does that me- make it, give it a monetary, monetary value, value yeah that then becomes it makes it dicey yeah it makes, makes it an tough. easier target anyway i would think so yeah are we both in agreement that uh instance percentage in loot boxes should be public knowledge yeah yeah because once you see that, you'll never buy another exactly. loot box here. Exactly, you won't. It's like 0.001 for some. I, know, I mean, I, I, I saw some some list of like the likelihood, and like every it's you know, and everyone's like greater likelihood of da da da. And instead of like 0.001, <laughs> it's, it's like 0.004. Right. It's like yeah, it's... it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. How about the uh, the model in mobile right now where you can watch ads? to get stuff you think one do you think it'll overcome mm. a console gaming and two would you be cool if it did no i mean i don't know i mean i wouldn't do it i mean i do it on mobile because of the, what the hell else am i that's the thing is like watching a video on a mobile game to get like a little thing to you know another crystal or it's like that's about as much fun as playing the mobile game yeah. usually i mean it's like that's, <laughs> right. it's just you know <laughs> that's good it's a, it's a different it's a different tier of entertainment <laughs> From a console um, game. Alex, one of our mods, have you played Golf Story for Switch? I recommend it if you haven't. Great writing, overall jolly game. I have not played it. I haven't Pactor, played it. Pactor, absolutely love it. It's on my kind of to-do list. Yeah, it's definitely on the radar. I just haven't had time. Um, Justin Horman, so Bethesda got the top spot in Metacritic's latest annual game publisher rankings. That's surprising. Do you find this surprising? Yes, obviously. <laughs> I don't know how surprising. And so, what publisher would you have thought was number one? Nintendo for me. I think Nintendo had an amazing year last year. Yeah, I guess I wonder what is it. They must be factoring in how many games or something. Eh, he doesn't say. I no, I saw that story. I just didn't. I didn't think about that. I mean, Bethesda stuff does rate very highly. It just doesn't Doesn't sell. Yeah. For some reason. What was the thing? I, I didn't get to look at it before I came over here, but there was something like the Prey Twitter account tweeted something. I didn't see it. It was on the sift during the show because there was a shot of Prey. And I'm like, oh, what's Prey doing? Like something, something's happening with Prey or they Prey well, we tweeted can, something. You can check it out real quick. Yeah, there it is. Prey Twitter account teasing possible moon-related content. DLC for Prey despite its sales flop. Moon related? Yeah. Like you'd be on the moon? Uh, I guess. All right. There you go. In your city. I would, I would play more Prey. I liked Prey. Um, here's something from the stand user who lives in Japan. I'm pretty, pretty sure the giant cone in Yakuza 6 is a nod back to Majima everywhere in Kiwami because Majima hides in a giant <laughs> cone that's in the exact same spot. There, and as I had said, there are no cones that big in Japan. Thanks, Stan user. All right. Um, here's Vincent, one of our curators. Uh, with how much you like Kirby, did you try Part-Time UFO? How's new mobile game? I've not tried Part-Time UFO. It's getting good reviews, though. Mm, I require more commitment from my UFOs. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, I don't. It's basically just like a crane game for mobile. Mm. From oh, like a UFO catcher kind of thing? Yeah, you, you're a UFO and you have a little crane that goes down. You have to pick right, stuff yeah. up and like stack. It's a very simple game, but it looks cool. Um, 
Here's a good one from Danny Endurance. What is Matt's best picture prediction? We already talked about this before. Oh, uh, Shape of Water. Yeah. Even though you haven't seen it. No. Well, you don't have to see things. To know. It's, not <laughs> about how good, it's not about how good they are. It's about who's going to win the Academy vote. That's a very <laughs> different thing. Uh, I, can, it, I can tell you, if, you, if you're doing Oscar pools this weekend, I can tell you uh, uh, best picture, Shape of Water. Uh, best director is either Del Toro or Jordan Peele for Get Out. Um, Peele's got a good shot, but Shape of Water doesn't exist without Del Toro, so that's a, that's a coin flip. Like, I don't know. Um, and Get Out could win Best Picture, but I think it's going to be Shape of Water. Um, the, I love Get Out. The acting... Get Out's great. The acting awards... It makes white people look bad, though. There's no way it's going to win. Yeah, there's a lot of old white <laughs> Academy voters that are not going to be down with it. Well, no, they're going to watch that movie and be like, hey, that's me. Or they're just not going to watch it. That's the pro <laughs> problem with Academy voting is that they just don't watch it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, a, that's plagued the, the animation category for years. It's the voters anonymously don't admit they don't watch. They just vote for the Pixar movie, and that's the end of it. Uh, actor will be um, Gary Oldman. Uh, actress will be um, uh, Frances McDormand for Three Billboards. Uh, supporting actor will probably be Sam Rockwell. Um, and uh, supporting actress will be, I keep forgetting her name, but the, the woman who played the mother in I, Tanya. Uh, so, if you're doing, so if you're doing Oscar pools... Stone your, Cold those, Lock those from Matt picks. Kyle. Those are your picks. Book it. Next up. Oh, and uh, uh, best documentary will be Faces, Places. Nobody ever gets those. Like those are the those are categories that you just sort of guess on in the I don't Oscar think pool. Anybody even pays attention to those awards. No, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a freebie on this one. Faces, Places is going to win documentary. So just just there's there's your ace in the hole if you're doing an Oscar. <laughs> Take pool. it to Vegas. <laughs> uh, from Ian Esquire, have you had a chance to play the new PSVR game Moss? No, no. I want to though. I've literally. I've hovered over. I am it. interested. I I, I love. I, I love lush woodland area mouse games. Yeah. I, I don't know. This is, seems to be a subgenre that's developing well, very rapidly. If you watch Geif today, the new Geif that went up today, you'll know that I I need something from VR that's freaking unique. And everyone's kind of saying that about this game. It doesn't mm -hmm. look like it to me, but I've hovered over it on PSN like three times now, just itching to. Mm -hmm. Push submit to buy it, and I have not yet done it. But yeah. my VR, my PSVR, is still in the box from the move. I haven't set it up. Yeah, maybe I'll get to that at some point. I, I dusted mine I off. Actually, I actually own Archangel, and I haven't even played it. <laughs> I dusted mine off yesterday to shoot one of the rats for Kaif, hmm. literally. But uh, before that, it had just sat there. Um, ever broke a controller from rage, Matt? Nope. Me either. Although sometimes I did wonder if I could snap the DualShock 2 in half just by twisting it. Not from rage, just because it felt so flimsy. Uh, here's the last one. Mike's Q. For things like today's high score and other live sifted content, is it possible to get a schedule on the site? I just feel like I never quite know when exactly you are live. That's a very uh, valid comment after we just did Game Face at 6 o'clock. Um, I mean, honestly, you could just follow us on Twitter. I realize some people don't. But we message everything on Twitter. So if you do use Twitter, follow us on Twitter. That's the easiest way to know what's going on. Um, Brent was on the show last week. He did talk to me after the show about a very easy schedule thing that he kind of has that we could deploy. And uh, I've been thinking long and hard about it. And we're probably going to do something like that. We don't know how to integrate it into the site, though, because the way our site is designed with the two vertical uh, endless scroll columns. 
Uh, so we're trying to figure it out. It's I've, I've heard it. You're not the first person to talk about it. It was brought up all last week after nobody showed up for the second episode of today's high score. So um, <laughs> it's certainly something that's in the queue right now. So uh, there's a couple stragglers down here. Maybe we'll answer one more. Um, a lot of people aren't asking questions. They're just reacting. Um, not on Twitter, but I am Patreon and use Patreon on Patreon. Hanlo Blow. Yeah, in fact, you're right. We should probably be um, messaging our live streams on Patreon more. In mm -hmm. fact, we don't message it at all. So we should start doing that. Um, so point taken. With that, that's it for 119. Uh, I think it's been a great episode. Glad to have Matt back right in the sidecar this week. Um, We'll be in touch about what's going to happen next week. We'll either have a show on Wednesday or we won't have a show until like the next Monday or Tuesday. A lot of it will depend on what happens between now and then, um, but we'll see. Don't forget, tomorrow at 1 p.m. Pacific, and I've tweeted this like at least twice now, today's high score. So get your Skype set up now. You can use your phone. You can use your laptop. You can use your tablet. Just get Skype set up. Um, Try to come in with a camera. It obviously makes the show better if we have a, if we can put the face to the name. Um, and get ready. 1 p.m. Pacific tomorrow again on Skype. Our Skype panel is Sifted Games, all one word. So um, before we go, some of you guys may have joined in the middle of the show. It is a new month. If you don't mind hooking us up with your Twitch Prime subscription, that would be awesome. Just click that little button up to the top right of the player. That would be sweet. Uh, for those of you who are listening for the first time maybe on iTunes, we are on iTunes now. Um, we are Sifted. We are at sifted.net. Um, and if you really like the show and you, it catches on with you and you want to support us, just go to patreon.com sifted and help us out. We'd appreciate every dollar. So with that, everyone have an excellent weekend. Game faces up and out. <laughs>